I completely missed, but I killed him. No and so way. what I he was bedded in the shale. Yeah. And I shot and I and I'm just using Kentucky windage and elevation. Right. And um I can see where my bullet hits the shale, probably about six, seven feet mm-hmm. this side of him. Yep. And I skip it off the shale right into no his back. Way. And I broke his back. Welcome to Big Fish Stories, the podcast dedicated to telling the real outdoor stories of adventure, hunting, and fishing. For the outdoors men and women who get lost in the stories around the campfire, this is the place for you. My name is Tyler Hendricks, located in the great state of Idaho, and today I have with me one of my good buddies and childhood mentors, Mr. Reese Schuler. Thanks for coming on today. Thanks for having me. The story I told last time was I shot this this is the easiest pack off i've ever had pack out i've ever had because i shot this antler off of a buck that's one way to get him <laughs> can you believe that worst yeah. worst feeling uh, worst feeling i've ever had in my whole I've life actually uh, i've seen some really nice bucks with holes through the horns have you mm-hmm. was it a couple of years ago because uh, no but i've seen some some big mounts yeah i mean this so would they be... actually wound up killing them but they had a hole through Ugh. See, and this this was the bummer about this one is I, I, uh, we had hiked all day, found this buck, and he was heading towards a bunch of does, and I had all the time in the world to set up. Like I literally had forty minutes of watching this thing heading through the trees into a gap that I could shoot, and I saw all the does there, so I knew where he was headed, and. I had positioned all these rocks around me just perfectly, got them all set up so that I only had to pull the trigger. I had it on a tripod, everything was set. Pulled the trigger, deer doesn't move. I look at my buddy, Levi, I'm like, what ha- where'd I shoot? And he goes, I don't, I don't know. I was like, must have shot low. So I shot again, boom. Just falls over as hard as you've ever seen. Like this thing fell to the side and I was like, oh, He's done. I've never seen a deer fall like that, but he is done. I put my gun over my my shoulder and I'm walking over there. And then all of a sudden, all these deer stand up and are moving all over the mountain. And I see a buck and I'm like, dude, there's another really big buck. You should shoot it. It's just as big as mine. And then he turned and I said, except he only has one antler. Are you cool with that? Like I'm talking to Levi and Levi's like, that's yours. And I'm like, no, it's not. I, mine's dead. And he goes, no, no, that is yours. And so then I'm looking at him going, please shoot it. Please shoot it so we can piece this thing back together because I'm not positive that this is my buck. And uh, yeah, he didn't shoot. I walked over and this was just laying in the snow with just a little blood drip uh, along his trail. And I followed his trail for miles. And the blood drip was like one every 100 yards. Uh, and I followed this thing for miles trying to see if I could get another shot on him. But he was long gone. Long gone. Um, but then I found out my turret for the first time, I decided to adjust my, my turret on the top uh, because normally I don't. I just use my mill dots. And it was the first year I had a scope that you could actually adjust the top. Uh, and when I was hiking, it, and like I said, this is my first year I've had <laughs> this scope. When I was hiking, it must have spun a full revolution around. And I didn't know it and just turned it to the quickest zero Instead of spinning all the way back around, I just flipped it to the quickest zero shot and way over. Way over. 
biggest buck I ever shot. I, I, I took him and I didn't shoot a horn off, but, mm -hmm. um, I'd shot him once and he had laid down mm -hmm. and I'd lined up on him to shoot again, mm -hmm. but I was right on his horn. Yeah. Even though my crosshair was below, I thought if I misjudge this, mm -hmm. I'm going to blow his horn off. And he's yeah. like a 32 inch buck. Oh. And so, uh, I held a little off and a little lower and that's where I hit. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't blow his horn off. <laughs> Did you hit him in the head? Is that what you're no, saying? No, I shot him where he's. Oh, good. Him. Okay, yeah. It was still 450, yeah, 480 yard shot or something. But. I had a last year. Um, last year I had a, a weird shot, um, and it was a quick shot. This buck ran up behind us. We had just hiked up this trail, and we were looking at some does ahead of us. And this buck ran up behind us on the trail, and uh, and he kind of, he was quartering away pretty hard, but the way he was positioned and the angle that I had, his vitals were perfectly lined up with his head, his neck and his vitals. And I was like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hit it. But I had a, a really quick shot and it was 85 yards and I didn't have a good rest and I shot and dropped him, and I almost hit his antler off, but I hit him right in the head. And now I'm done making stupid shots. No, you're not. I'm It'll done. No, I'm done. <laughs> It'll happen again. <laughs> but that's how that was. Yeah. Uh, but the vitals were lined up. He was laying quartering uh, and uh, he was looking to his left and mm -hmm. turned that horn right where I needed to shoot. So you haven't killed anything the last no, few years? No, I've really been, you know, I we made a big life change and I was uh, pursuing a new career and, mm -hmm. and I have been hunting. Mm -hmm. And uh, sad to say, I did turn down a couple bucks. Mm -hmm. Uh, there was three in a bunch mm -hmm. and, um, it took me about four hours to get on them. Yep. I had backpacked in about nine miles, uh, the day before mm -hmm. and I seen them, but it wasn't, it was a day before opener. Mm. And, um, I worked my way over the next morning, took me probably four and a half hours to get there. Mm -hmm. I got over on them and I could have taken any of the three yeah. for 45 minutes right and it was started out as probably a 550 yard shot mm -hmm. and they moved to about four yeah and i was just like mm, i got some <laughs> bucks like that at home you know right right i'm thinking so i'm gonna i think i'm gonna pass yeah and so i had my gun over my pack i have mm -hmm. one in the hole and i just could have shot all day long yeah you know <laughs> and so i packed out and i went home uh -huh. and the next morning i'm sitting there drinking coffee looking at a couple mounts i have on the wall <laughs> yeah. and i just went wow that was just that was really dumb because <laughs> he is bigger than any of these oh <laughs> no and uh so you know i was like okay i'm gonna kind of bone up again because yep. if you're not looking a lot of deer I have a pretty good idea just by looking. You kind of know if he's a shooter or not. Right, you right. might know inches. You might not know inches. Some guys really take the time and figure it all out and do a quick, you know, yep. count in their head. Mm -hmm. But how long do you stay out there? Well, that trip I was just like, um, like two nights. Yeah, but so you went up on like the ninth and the, stayed tenth yeah. and eleventh. Yeah, yeah, and um, I had seen some really good bucks down the ridge, and I think that's kind of what happened. Is I was. I'd slept on this ridge and I was overlooking a big basin, mm -hmm. but the big basin, um, the one ridge off the basin went down probably like three or four miles. Right. And, uh, I only have a, you know, a 20 by 40 by 60 spotting scope mm -hmm. and it's a good scope, but I was spotting some bucks down the way that had to been, you know, over two miles. Right. And 
I can tell they're shooters yeah. right off. Right. I can tell they're whoppers, you know, yeah, yeah. but I can't really tell you what they are. Right. And I was thinking, man, I'd like to get down there and kill one. But mm-hmm. um, so after I turned down the bucks, mm-hmm. before I went home, um, everything scattered and I couldn't figure out what the heck. And mm-hmm. I started looking and two guys had come up the bottom and they're hiking right through where all the bucks hang. They probably just didn't know the area. Yeah. And it's... um. It's high country and mm-hmm. it's big white pine. Mm-hmm. And uh, to be honest, I don't know if you got over there. I don't even know how you'd find them or how you'd find a vantage point. To, right. You know, you'd get in there and you wouldn't be able to see mm-hmm. the forest for the trees, right. so to speak. And so after I left those bucks, that's when I started regretting it. And I went, oh, man, mm-hmm. now I don't really know where those bucks were mm-hmm. now that I'm over here. Right. They could be... 50 yards in front of me. Yep. It could be 500 yards in front of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably not that great at hunting in the timber. Right. But anyway, I wound up walking out and I regretted not taking the one buck of the three. Right. Did you end up going back in at all? Or was that kind of your I went back in. This year? Um, I did go back in. Um, but that year, the season had opened in the middle of the week, mm-hmm. so most people aren't there. And I went back in about three or four days later, but it was the weekend, mm-hmm. and everybody was in there. Mm-hmm. When I went in, there was I was the only truck at the trailhead. Mm-hmm. When I left, um, there was, I was still the only—I think there might have been one other one. But when I came back, there was like 13, 12 right. or 13 trucks at the trailhead. Yep. And I was just like— so I just, I moved on. This year was a weird year um, because I I saw buck after buck after buck this year. I got my buck on the second day on that first big snowstorm. Um, and and everyone else seemed to really struggle this year. Um, I, I don't know what it was, but I had that bull tag for 48 and I could not find a good shooting bull in all of 48. But I saw buck after buck everywhere I went. That's and, the way and that, people were calling me going, I can't find any deer this year. I'm like, why don't you go with me elk hunting and watch me not find bulls and you can just shoot deer? Because <laughs> that was the year this you year. You should have ring. <laughs> I know. It was horrible. <laughs> well, that's that's the story. And it's, I've been the same place. And there's yeah. times you're you're looking for, uh, looking for a buck and all you see is bulls. And uh, I think that's part of hunting. Yeah. Yeah. What you're, you have, you have some favorite, um, types of areas to hunt, which is different than where a lot of people typically hunt, at least from conversations we've had in the past. Yeah. You like to go on the tops of everything. I do only because, and, um, it's just kind of my style of hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said a minute ago, I'm not that great at hunting timber, mm-hmm. but I know a guy who is. Mm-hmm. And uh, when I asked him, hey, you know, throw me a bone and kind of give me some pointers. Mm-hmm. What's what, what do you do? And he says, well, you know, I really shoot like a low-powered rifle. He shoots a 7 millimeter 08 mm-hmm. um, in a Remington Model 7. Mm-hmm. He shoots like a 3 to 9. He cranks it down to 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, he he practices by shooting rabbits. Right. And uh, But he said the real trick is walking very slowly, very quietly, mm-hmm. And of course, you know, he's doing his homework. Um, he's, he's, he and knows he's where he's going. Mule deer? He's doing this with mule deer. Wow. And so he says, you walk very quietly, very slowly. Sometimes it's five, 10 paces. Mm-hmm. And then he says, I'm stopping and I'm glassing. And 
this he's glassing through the timber. He's glassing through the timber. Okay. And so, uh, you know, as a mule deer hunter, probably, you know, one of our favorite places to hunt and mm-hmm. look for mule deer would be in the slides. Yep. And so we, I like the high country mostly because, uh, you kind of get away from what you were telling me a little bit ago, mm-hmm. pre this recording mm-hmm. of how you're working on a mule deer and then someone shoots from the road. Right. And so I like to get away because I think it cuts out a lot of that. However, mm-hmm. I know there's some really good bucks that are near the road. Yeah. But there's nothing worse than finding that buck and then you're just busting your hump to get to him. Mm-hmm. And you look over and you see a red vest right. or a headlamp and you're just going, oh no. Yeah. And you don't know if the race is on. Mm-hmm. You don't know if they're just shooting from the hip and just right. hiking in or they know that buck's there. And it turns out to be this big competition. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like not fun anymore. Yeah, and totally. so if it's all about the kill, mm-hmm. if that's the guy you are, yep. then that's maybe one thing. But for me, it's more about the whole experience. Mm-hmm. It used to be about the kill, but as I'm getting older, I try to find the enjoyment in the scouting, the right. enjoyment in the hike as hard as it is anymore. Mm-hmm. And this mountains are getting steeper. <laughs> and, uh, you sure the mountains are getting steeper? Well, we'll have to, we'll claim <laughs> the pack's definitely getting heavier. Right. Right. And, uh, and then, you know, if you get, if you get to harvest that buck, it's like the cherry on the cake, you mm-hmm. know, and so I'm trying to enjoy the whole thing, and so that is one reason I get in the backcountry. Mm-hmm. But when we're hunting that backcountry and we're glassing those slides and we're finding those bucks, mm-hmm. um, they like the slides. Yeah. Well, what happens when the st- shots start ringing out, or somebody bumps them, mm-hmm. or hunters walk through? Maybe they don't even see them. I believe, and this guy does too, that those bucks will go into the timber. They may or may not become totally nocturnal, but there's mm-hmm. a pretty good chance if they've been shot at, they oh, will. Yeah. Uh, or then they'll stay in those in the dark timber. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, even though it's in October that we're hunting, it's still pretty hot during the day mm-hmm. for a mule deer that's all haired up and kind of ready to go into winter. Right. And so they, I think they actually like the cool. And that's what this guy is telling me that he goes in there. And uh, he'll glass and he shoots him in his bed. Sometimes, mm. you know, 20, 30, 50, 60 yards might be a long shot. Gosh. And uh, so he's he probably doing some some real extreme tracking as well. Well, this guy has killed a lot of really big bucks. Mm. And um, But what happened was he couldn't find bucks anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's just like, you know, I used to shoot bucks in this area or this area. And maybe not every year, but he knew the areas would hold bucks. But mm-hmm. every time he would go, he just couldn't find the bucks that he used to find. Mm-hmm. And he started realizing, like probably all of us, that there's just a lot of pressure. Yeah. And uh, so he started changing up the way he hunted. He typically shot a long-range rifle. Mm-hmm. And like you and I probably, you know, he's glassing uh, long distances, and then he's closing the gap, spotting stock, mm-hmm. and trying to take a buck, three, four, five, seven hundred yards or whatever. Sure. But um he said it was just getting tougher and tougher. And he's quite a bit older than me. Mm-hmm. And this guy's got some whoppers on the wall. Wow. I mean some dandies. Yeah. Uh, he's been in magazines and all kinds of stuff. Right. And so he said I changed it up and I started killing big bucks again. Mm. Uh, he lives in Utah. Yeah. And I do believe probably, you know, I've I've not really seen very many bucks of the calibers that he's taking. So I think there's a little bit different gene pool there. And mm-hmm. uh, and of course, you know, he started way back, probably 
when I was still following my mom around the kitchen, he was killing bucks. He's right. quite a bit older than me, probably by 25 years. Right. And I don't know how much he's doing now, but man. That's but amazing. Those caliber of bucks, I just don't see. Right. So. You Did know. you see, uh, have you seen Little Wes Moore's? Well, he's not little anymore. Yes. But that huge buck that was a nocturnal buck that popped out at the dumbest time ever. Yeah. Right along the, not right too far from the, the road. road. Yeah. There you go. Right. I know. And I hear Gosh. some crazy stories of the. A guy was telling me it's been a couple of years ago, but he's a smoker. Mm-hmm. He's probably 15 years older than me. Mm-hmm. And he can't hike because he smoked his whole life. Right. So he goes up and he makes it a couple hundred yards from the truck. Yep. And then he sits there and smokes. He says, I make it a little bit further. Everybody else left me behind. Mm-hmm. And I thought I'd sit there and have a candy bar. And <laughs> he winds up shooting like a 34-inch buck. And I was like, <laughs> well, that's just not even fair at all. It's <laughs> not. I think God likes some people over others. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And you think, realize. gosh, maybe I should take up smoking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would slow yeah. me down because Something I do like sometimes that. too think that we get in big rush, you know. One, and- of, one of the guys we uh, interviewed a couple podcasts ago, he's probably the best, one of the best hunters I know. He shoots, I mean, he's got that big 190 buck that he shot uh, out from under a bunch of guys a few years ago, but he's an extreme hiker, one of the best athletes I've ever met. Um, and that's one thing that he's finally starting to do is learn to slow down just a little bit, because I think he's realized he's going so far back in there that he's missing a lot of good bucks, uh, that people are shooting below him. Right. Um, and I think that's an important skill to have, uh, or at least take someone who's a little bit slower, a little bit more methodical. Uh, and I totally agree when I worked for the city up the road, um, I was always out and about on the streets mm-hmm. and so working during the hunting season, it just never failed that I would see pickups come into the little uh, 7-Eleven on the corner mm-hmm. and there's really nice dandy bucks, as good as I've ever taken, mm-hmm. and, and they're whole. Yep. So you know they didn't drag them out. Right. And uh, it comes to find out they're like shooting them, you know, within a few <laughs> hundred yards of the road. And I, I think it's because... They just looked. <laughs> they looked. That's right. And, uh, you know, and I'm always looking up there uh-huh. uh, because I don't want the competition. Right. And I kind of want to, you know. Well, I, wouldn't shooting, like if you were that guy who just goes out every year and shoots it from the road, wouldn't that kind of ruin it for you, especially your experience that you're talking about? Yeah, because I think to me it would be like the 13-year-old kid that goes out his first season and he just kills a, a whopper buck yeah. and you and you you think to yourself well kid enjoy it because you'll probably never kill one like that right. again it's over for you yeah and uh i wish i could kill one every year from the road though <laughs> you're getting to that point, i'm getting right? that age you shouldn't no. as a kid as a kid you should get the tiniest bucks and then work yeah, your way up so exactly. that you don't ruin it for yourself yeah. like wes when i talked to little wes who's not little anymore uh, when I talk to him, he's always like, yeah, you know, I'm really just in it for the meat as you should be, but he's really in it just for the meat because he shot one of the biggest bulls and the biggest bucks that I've seen come out of Idaho in person. <laughs> I know. And he did it all before the age of 18. So it's, yeah. he, it's ruined for him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they were pretty close to the road. I think they were both on the road too. So he's like, why would I be hiking way up in there when I can just get one here? But I think I think his mentality is probably changing. Um, he's probably going to listen to this and call me and be like, "What are you talking about? I'm in it now." <laughs> but, you know. Well, what's your like ideal perfect experience? Like perfect hunt, whether you get something or not. What what kind of day is that for you? 
I'm talking about the work to get into the spot that you're wanting to go to paint the picture for me. Well, I don't know if it's just a day. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems like in life, you know, we get really busy and then you don't get to to do it. What I feel like is doing it right. Mm -hmm. And uh, part of doing it right is for me, uh, especially as I'm getting older, I'm in my mid fifties now. Mm -hmm. And so part of doing it right for me is being able to go in and do some scouting and kind of look at a couple bucks that I would, um, I'd like to take, Mm -hmm. um, part of doing it right for me would be the hike to go do the scouting because as you get older, you realize how important it is to get in shape, you Mm -hmm. know, and, uh, I'm in pretty good shape, but, um, there's a difference when you go in with a spotting scope in your binoculars Mm -hmm. and then go in with five days worth of food, a rifle, a spotting mm-hmm. scope, your sleeping bag. And then if you do kill something, <laughs> um, you're going to bring out as much as you can. I'm usually well over a hundred pounds right. that first load and probably right at a hundred pounds, my second load. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's kind of the whole experience. I love going out and scouting. I love glassing. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then if I can find that buck, I like to go back and kind of watch him a little bit. Not too much because I don't want to bump him, but I also kind of like to see who's around and mm-hmm. who's scouting, if anybody. And then, um, you know what I really like is I like to get in there. I like to hike in there. And uh, I think there is something for me that as I'm getting older, I want to be easy. But at the same time, I don't want to be easy mm-hmm. because I think uh, part of the adventure, I think that every good adventure and every good fish story Mm -hmm. really has an element of adversity to it. Mm -hmm. And if you just go out and shoot him on the road and back your pickup up and drag him in, where's the story? Where's the story? Yeah. And where do you tell your grandkids? I mean, so I do like to get in there. I like to scout and I like to feel like I've earned it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you hike in, you stay the night. And then if everything comes together, most of the time, if I do my homework, I'm usually in there and I'm squeezing the trigger first thing in the morning and I'm packing the next day, mm. maybe two days. Yep. And uh, and then I just kind of camp out. I eat a little bit better, as in I don't eat uh, freeze-dried meals the next two days. Right. I usually have something in the truck my mm. wife's made or something, and I'll, I'll hang out the truck and, and I'll, I'll sleep at the truck and mm. then— backpack in to get the other half or whatnot. Yep. And, uh, and of course it, at the end of the day, I think one of the funnest things to do is pull in the driveway, mm-hmm. whether it be one, two, three in the morning. And that's happened a lot. And my right. wife's out there waiting. Cause I've called her mm-hmm. saying, Hey, I'm coming home. Mm-hmm. Don't shoot. And <laughs> she's like, did you, did you get a buck? And I'm right. like, I did. And is it good? It's a dandy. <laughs> and, uh, she's like, she's out there waiting, you know? Yeah. And, uh, there's something about that phone call to the spouse that yeah. is, it definitely their reaction to it makes it even a better experience. And she's my biggest fan. Yeah. Now, um, you know, after all these years, she's still my fan, mm-hmm. but my bigger fans are my grandkids. Yeah, and so they're just, that's awesome. you can almost really shoot a dink and they just think you're wonderful, right. you know? <laughs> <laughs> so now you can get away with lower yeah, bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you can get away with smaller bucks. You yeah. can lower your standards. Yeah. <laughs> Have you ever had, uh, one of those experiences that uh, you were, uh, that while you were having it, while you were experiencing this, that you ended up realizing that you were way over your head, like a situation you got yourself in where you're like, I don't know what I was thinking. I shouldn't have shot here. I shouldn't have done this. Always. (laughs) (laughs) After every shot. Like, like almost every time. And um, 
I got to joking around about it with some of our mutual friends uh-huh. like Jake. Yeah. Um, and um, when Jake used to call me and ask me, well, what do, he'd want to go on. He goes, well, where do you kill these bucks? Mm-hmm. And, and I'd say, I'd say, well, let me, let me tell you this. It's not like a secret spot. Sure. Um, it's kind of secret for me, but not because there's a big buck under every mm-hmm. tree around every rock pile. More than anything, I've learned how to hunt it. Mm-hmm. And so I figured out how to hunt it, how to get in, how to get out. And, uh, but what I would tell Jake is this is what I've learned. Mm-hmm. I, I found, I wound, I found myself just looking at a spot and go, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. that'd be the last place in the world. I'd want to kill a buck. Yep. And that's usually where I go kill one. <laughs> that's where they want to be. Yeah. Yeah. And then when I leave, I usually tell myself, man, I can't wait to get off this mountain. Mm-hmm. You know, I've come out with blisters on my f- feet. Mm-hmm. Uh, my heels wore off like 50 cent pieces off the backs of my heels. Mm-hmm. Um, can't hardly walk. Uh, <laughs> bruises over my shoulder from packing way too much. Yep. And uh, and I tell myself, I don't ever want to see this mountain again. And I usually won't go back. Mm-hmm. Even though I know it can be pretty bucky, <laughs> I just like, give me <laughs> a couple years. <laughs> give me a couple years and um, I'll go back. Right. And then that's what I wind up doing. And I'll find another spot and I'll hunt that. Mm-hmm. And then I'll do the same. And then, I won't want to see that one again. And for whatever reason, I just always find them in these, well, kind of a hellhole. Right. And, but they do like it. Mm-hmm. And, but again, um, you know, I, like we were talking earlier, I know guys that are finding them in one of the biggest bucks I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. I was driving down a dirt road, relatively flat country, some rollers mm-hmm. and sagebrush. And um, I stopped for just a second. I can't remember what I stopped for. As soon as I stopped, the sagebrush on both sides of the road was probably eight, nine feet tall. Some mm-hmm. of it, most of it, probably about six or seven is old sage. And this buck stands up. He was bedded in the borrow ditch. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm, I'm 80 miles from town, mm-hmm. but it's a it's a county road. Mm-hmm. And he stands up and he walks off. And I remember sitting in my pickup. And I could count. Uh, he's like 40 yards from me, if right. that. And he was like 32 points. Gosh. Just huge. And yeah. I was just like. It wasn't hunting season. It was like a couple of days before hunting season. Right, right. And of I course. had a rifle in the seat, yeah. and uh, and I just went, "Oh man!" Yeah. And of course, you go back hunting. Uh, no, it's hunting. never gonna. You're never gonna see that no, guy. No, again. he's gone. As a matter of fact, you were lucky to see him the first time. If he would have yeah. just sat there, bedded down, probably would never. I never would have seen him yeah. if he would have if he hadn't moved. But I stopped. Uh, I think I might have stopped to take a little yeah. nature call. Right. <laughs> And, that's uh, the only reason you and saw he him. stood up yeah yeah and uh and i was probably uh i was like 16 years old mm. and i've never seen a buck that good for myself right maybe since then yep have you ever gotten into any dangerous situations uh hunting yeah, yeah. almost always <laughs> <laughs> and it would be the norm it'd be the weather uh-huh and because i do get up there high and then even though i have pretty good gear um you know, you're hiking in and you get into the snow and almost, this is usually how it is for me. I'll get soaked. Usually if Mm -hmm. there's an early snow and in this country, we typically get one somewhere probably two weeks before hunting season. Mm -hmm. And if most of the time in the high country, it's going to stay. And then we'll have a couple little more by hunting season and maybe into the hunting season. And, and I've gotten some spots where, um, I'll be hiking and the snow will be like knee deep, but it never seems to fail. You'll get soaked to about your waist. Mm -hmm. Well, and then a lot of times, you know, I'm hiking, I have a headlamp on, I'll hike into the night, trying to get to that spot that I want to be 
the next morning or at least close to it so I can wake up and yep. start glassing that first light. And, um, and they're more often than not, um, you know, you get in there and you're just thinking, oh man, the wind's coming up. Mm-hmm. It's dark. The, the, as soon as the, even in October, as soon as that sun dips down behind the ridge, the temperatures just start dropping mm-hmm. and, and then the winds come up, you'll get those evening winds and, um, not always, but I would say probably three quarters of the time. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of times I'm just going, oh man, mm-hmm. if I don't find a place out of the wind mm-hmm. and I kind of go it through, can I make it through the night? Yeah. And yeah. yeah and, and hyperthermia is, uh, the biggest killer mm-hmm. in the mountains and, uh, and it's actually in the summer because yeah. people don't have the right gear. And I have pretty good gear. And uh, I have this sleeping bag that I I would go hunting every year. And I would come out with sinusitis and bronchitis mm-hmm. almost every year. And and um, I was just like, Most oh. people would quit, but. <laughs> Some are smarter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little stubborn. Right. And so I remember. I, I found a bag at mm-hmm. a climbing store and uh, I wound up visiting with the guy there and he'd climbed, I think most like the seven biggest peaks, mm-hmm. you know, in the world or something. And he said, this is the bag. Okay. And, uh, and it was built then by feathered friends. And I, I wasn't, you know, way back when I started this, you know, nearly 30 years ago, there wasn't a whole lot of guys doing it. Um, and you didn't have name brands like Cooey or whatever that mm-hmm. had custom bags. Right. Um, and, and one thing I learned back in the day was, Good gear is expensive. Mm-hmm. Good gear that's light is twice as expensive. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, when I worked on ranches, I was a cowboy and I just didn't really have a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And But I found this bag uh, 20 years ago and I'm getting ready to replace it because it's just breaking down. And Gosh. it was like 700 bucks. It's just now breaking down 20 years ago? I, yeah, just from packing it, yeah. packing it and packing it. But I always, you know, I don't leave it packed or stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the worst thing. I hang it up behind a door in the yep. spare room or whatnot. Oh, that's good information for me because mine's packed right yeah, now. Yeah, the worst thing you can do is leave your bag stuffed. Ooh, okay. Yeah, they don't fluff up. That's they lose they lose their uh, loft and then you lose uh, your R value. Gotcha. And so um, even when I'm hunting into the backcountry, um, I'll find a place I want to stay the night. Even if I'm not ready, I'll find a place or I'll know a place because I've hunted it. I'll break my bag out. I'll mm-hmm. shake it, fluff it up, and let it sit there for a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, But- I got that bag and I had as much money back then in my bag as I did my rifle <laughs> and I felt really guilty. But yeah. my wife says, I'm going to get you this bag so you'll quit whining and <laughs> you'll quit coming home and, sick. Yeah, maybe you won't be sick. And so <laughs> she was very gracious. You can I go got back the, to work and make yeah, more money so it all is going to even out. Yeah, because you haven't been killing anything. We're <laughs> right. the stars. And so I got this bag and I remember uh, I got it early in the year mm-hmm. and um uh, probably two months before hunting season. And I was just kind of, I kind of felt bad about it because mm-hmm. it was just way more, it was like 700 bucks, right? you know, 25 years ago. And um, I got this bag and I was feeling bummed about it. And I got, I went high into the back country. Um, actually, I was above the mountain goats mm-hmm. and uh, I had went down this ridge and it was pretty sketchy. Mm-hmm. I had, I had to sling my rifle over my back and I'm creeping, you know, mm-hmm. along this thing. I'm, I'm by myself. I yeah. always hunt solo. And and I know that if I fall, my wife knows about where I'm at. I'd right. always write it down mm-hmm. and I'd always tell her, don't tell just anybody. <laughs> but if I'm not back in like five days, right. call this friend. He'll uh-huh. know where I'm at. Right. And so, or roughly. Mm-hmm. But there's been some, and 
I only I go down this ridge and I find a nice uh, 28 inch plus buck. Mm-hmm. And but he's real tall, deep forks, four by four. I find him in an old waterfall chute. Mm-hmm. It's just probably a waterfall in the spring when the water's melting. And I'm like, well, I got some bucks like that at home already. Right. But I'll think on it. Yeah, yeah. And so I go back and the wind is just howling. Mm-hmm. And I'm shaking and shivering mm-hmm. uncontrollably. I've never slept in the bag yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just remember thinking, man, <laughs> this, this thing bag better is it be. rated what it's supposed oh, to be. <laughs> if it's not, I'm going to have to pack up everything, mm-hmm. pull off, because I'm above timberline. I'm going to yeah. have to pull off, pack everything up, pull off, get down into the timber, and uh, and wait out the storm there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember I got in that bag, and literally within 10 minutes, I had to unzip it. And I remember laying there going, <laughs> wow, this is the best $700 I've ever yep. spent. I'll never complain. I never, I've never looked back. Right. But that bag has saved me That's on quite awesome. a few hunts. And I've, I've been scared a few times thinking. What's the brand? Uh, it was a Feathered Friends. Feathered Friends. And they're out of Seattle. Okay. And they build a lot of, um, I think it's made with eider. Mm-hmm. down and which is one of the best gotcha and uh, they build a lot of custom bags for mm-hmm. and i had it built seven feet long mm-hmm. so i can not be all cramped right and uh they took my measurements i don't like it too tight but i could mm-hmm. throw my boots in the bottom they won't be frozen right. in the morning or some stuff and then i can stretch out in it yep and uh to i'm that, gonna have to look into that because mine no, mine's pretty much a double <laughs> You could squeeze someone else in there with me if I weren't so big. Yeah. Well, and it's probably weighs a bunch. I think my bag's right at three pounds, might be three and a quarter yeah. pounds. Mine, mine's around that, but it's only a, it's a zero degree bag. Um, it's a C to summit, C to summit, mm-hmm. C to summit bag. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's done really well for me so far. I think mine's a 25 minus 25, mm-hmm. uh, maybe minus 30 survival rating, okay. uh, but a, um, I think it's like a minus 10 or 15 comfort, yep. uh, comfort rating. Mm-hmm. Do you want to hear the, uh, the, 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 the story that I felt the most in danger is probably the dumbest story you'll ever hear. <laughs> Cause I've done, you know, I, I mean, I hike, I, I hike, I do overnighters. Uh, I've, I've had problems where I, I thought I'm too cold. I probably shouldn't be doing this, but you just keep going on you get out of it. You're fine. Yeah. Uh, the story I have that was probably the most dangerous and the most stupid is actually fishing on fish Creek last two winters ago. Um, it had snowed like a couple feet out there, maybe a foot, but we couldn't drive the FJ. I got the FJ stuck trying to get out there. So we just left it and started walking towards fish Creek with all of our stuff, had all of our poles, everything with us carrying, I don't know, probably 30 pounds each, just trying to manhandle all of it. Cause we thought we were going to be able to drive right to the lake. Um, and there's no tracks out there at this time. So we're just trying to guess where the lake's at. You're kind of uh, snow blind at that point by the time you get out there. And it, it feels like it's a good mile, but it's, it was deep snow. Um, we get all the way out there and I take my first two steps. I, I got two steps onto the ice right into the ice, uh, up to my, up to my knees. So I'm standing there and then I kind of lean forward and fall onto the ice and crawl out onto the ice because for some dumb reason, my brain was like, I'm going this way, not backwards. So I just went farther out onto the ice and the ice was thick farther out, but right on shore it was super thin and I fell through. 
So we're already out there. And the guy who's with me, he, he manages to get another route on there, but he also got wet trying to get on the ice. And we're like, you know what? We're here. Let's just fish, see what happens. Two hours later, our feet were completely solid blocks of ice. And we both were like, okay, it's past the point of pain. Now it's numb. The problem is we just kept catching fish. (laughs) We kept catching fish. It's dedication. Yeah. Our feet were no longer in pain. They were just numb. So we thought no problem. The walk back was the worst walk I've ever had in my life. Our feet, our feet felt like blocks of ice. We got back and we're like putting our feet behind the exhaust to try to get them warmed up. Um, and weirdly out of all the hunting experiences I've ever done, that was the moment I was like, if we, if we like have to stop because our feet are no longer moving, what are we going to do? Like, no one's going to come out and get us. There's no service out here. No, you're not bringing my GPS to go ice fishing. So, well, I, uh, I totally get it. And I think about that a lot when I'm hunting because I am solo. And so Mm -hmm. I think about a little bit more, um, and having said that, maybe for your listening audience, yeah. you know, most guys are going to be going, well, why don't you just, if you get that cold, just build a fire. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I mean, sure. if, it, if I really got that point where I thought I was going to die and, and I have well, been in some above pretty, tree line. Yeah. I've been <laughs> in some pretty bad situations and uh, I have good gear, but when I'm up there, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to like, I mean, I could build a fire. Mm-hmm. I could break off in a tree line, build a fire and I would do that. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not like completely dull right but you have you have the means to be able to right. get down but, but we're buck hunting right and we're not up there building bonfires <laughs> and um you know putting smoke everywhere yep. and getting myself all smoky and yep. so i'm really trying to i keep you know i try to keep um, my presence mm-hmm. under wraps you right. know and i'm not trying to advertise i'm trying to be a little sneaky here mm-hmm. because sometimes you just don't know where you're going to find them right I did wind up the next morning going and I killed that buck. Oh, good. Um, yeah. He, but um, there was a bigger buck I was watching, but mm. somebody had come in and went on my way in. I had to work. I'm shocked that you even are seeing people up there. Is that getting more and more frequent or less mm-hmm. frequent? No, it's more frequent. So I have a theory about this. You it's wanna, these, you it's these talk it? shows. <laughs> we give away all yeah, of it's our. It's true. We it's give true. away our secrets. I haven't mentioned one. <laughs> One defining place that someone could find this stuff. Um, well, hunting is getting more popular. Yeah. Um, but I think that in Idaho, especially the last couple of years, this might actually be the first year that they really limited resident, non-resident tags right. in Idaho. And I thought, oh, this is going to free up the mountain. Like I'm never, I'm not going to see nearly the amount of people. And it's been the opposite. Everywhere I've gone, I've seen them at the tops of the mountains. And I have Mm -hmm. a theory about this. I think that it attracted a lot of elite hunting. Yeah. um, To where all of the road hunters who are normally just driving out the roads. There's not a lot of states that give out as many tags over the counters. Totally. so I do think that's an issue too. So mm-hmm. I've known people who have come from California for years and years, right. come up here for 20, 30 years hunting right. because it's all draw. So where do you go? Well, yeah, we're going hunting. We're going to Idaho. Well, and I, so, I think because they limited the tags this year that a lot of those elite hunters all of a sudden veered towards Idaho because they're going, oh, there's going to be way less people. All I have to do is get that over-the-counter tag. So mm-hmm. I just have to be in line, online, to get that over-the-counter tag. And- and then I'm hunting some high country. So I think it attracted a ton of those elite hunters who are ready on the spot at midnight. 
one of my one of my my cousin who tries to hunt here every year uh, from Tennessee, he said he logged in an hour after online and he was twenty four. He was the twenty four thousandth person in line to get a non-resident tag in here wow. and they all ran out by the time he ended it ended yeah. up getting to him um for bull for bull for right. any elk actually cow right. or, or bull um so i wonder if if that's going to be the new norm is seeing more elite hunters in in the um in the open country compared to so. just a bunch of people parked on the bottom I, I i think so because um you know i've lived here for 20 some years and uh but i'm in chalice now i'm mm-hmm. from chalice in Mackie country mm-hmm. and so and i have an airplane mm-hmm. and so i fly into the middle fork mm-hmm. which is there's no there's very few roads there's a few that will make it almost into there but for the most part uh when you get in the middle fork there's like it's horseback you hike or you fly in yep. and um, in the last few years, I'll fly in there just to kind of take a look around mm-hmm. uh, to see who's in there. There's more hunters in there now than ever. Right. And so when we were talking in the beginning about uh, I like to get into the back country and away from everybody, uh, it's almost like uh, the sky's the limit anymore. All right. And so I do believe for myself and I'm getting older, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot to be said for hunt smarter, not harder, mm-hmm. because as you were mentioning, uh, Wesley Jr. Mm-hmm. goes and kills these bucks and they're not too far from the road. And so I think there's this thing with us men, you know, mm-hmm. we think if we get to the end of the road and that's what we do, we all drive to the end of the road and then we hunt Well, we're all in the same spot. Right. And uh, there's a lot of guys that are hunting between the end right. of the road and the, the beginning of the road <laughs> and they're killing them. Right. And so I know that as I'm getting older, uh, I've been telling myself because I'm finding the same thing you're talking about, no matter how hard I hike and how far I go, there's there. still people. Right. And uh, yeah, there might not have been anybody at the end of your trailhead, mm-hmm. but on the backside of this range, there's two more trailheads and maybe they come in from that direction. Right. Whatever the case yep. being, um, people and i think that there are a lot of youtube you know video guys and hunting videos Mm -hmm. and it gets everybody jacked up yeah yeah. um there's amazing rifles anymore Mm -hmm. you can buy an off-the-shelf rifle that when i was a kid you would have a lot of money and and a lot of custom work and of course we didn't have any scopes um that we could with range finding systems and uh all the calibrations you Mm -hmm. can use anymore i don't use those yep um but I do have some scopes with different range finding systems sure. in them, but um, and so and the gear is mm-hmm. unbelievable. Oh, yeah. I think that uh, even though it's all expensive, guys, you know, if we want something, mm-hmm. we'll ante up and we'll get it. Yeah, and so it's hunting's awesome. Right, we love to do it, mm-hmm. and so you'll spend your money doing that. Doing it, yeah, yeah, that's right. And so guys are doing it. And uh, do you think there should be any sort of limit on that kind of thing? I'm getting well, to the point where when I see when I see or hear about or hear people bragging about shooting a deer at 1200 yards I'm like where's the fun in that right <laughs> he didn't even he, he didn't he wouldn't have even had a chance to sniff you if the wind were blowing in the right direction it's kind of disheartening for me and I'm not going to say I don't have some guns that'll shoot out there mm-hmm. I, I I have some custom rifles mm-hmm. and uh and I have some scopes on them and 
um, in the right hands, their thousand yard, 1200 yard rifles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm not going to say I would never do it, but probably not. Mm-hmm. I just feel like for myself that, um, I feel like for me, and this is no diss to anybody, sure. but I feel like I'm a good enough hunter. I can close that gap a little bit. Right. And if not, then, um, I'm also a patient enough hunter. A lot of times, I'll, these bucks that I kill, I, I might see them today. I might see them the opening day. I might not get them killed for two or three days. Right. Um, because for me, I'd rather take the extra time, close the gap. I mean, I used to bow hunt. Mm-hmm. I mean, if we can kill deer and elk yeah. with a bow, and there's guys doing it, killing just dandy animals every year with a stick and a string. Right. At 10 yards, 12 yards, 35 yards, mm-hmm. whatever. Man, we should be able to close the gap a little bit more. And I'll, I'll tell you a little story. So I'd, I'd drawn a sheep tag this year mm-hmm. in the Middle Fork. Oh. And I go in. I think you told me that. Yeah. And I didn't kill one. Okay. Um, I turned down some rams, mm-hmm. and I'd found a ram that I really wanted. But I was two days in. And, um, you know, it starts in August, mm-hmm. uh, at the end of August. Temperatures are in the 80s. Right. It's really hot. It's fire season. You can't glass. But I got in there mm-hmm. and I'd found a ram and I, he was a long ways away because the smoke and the heat, even though I have good glass, um, I'm picking up heat waves. And so I'm trying to, I'm telling myself, well, I'm here to sheep hunt. And as bad as I hate to do this, I have to drop off this um, just into this hole yeah. and all the way up the side. So I get up in the morning, I drop down the bottom. It takes me half a day just to get to the bottom. Mm-hmm. I pump water and I drink as much as I can because I can't carry that much. Mm-hmm. It takes me the rest of the day to get two thirds up the other way. Right. Now I'm trying to hunt and I'm trying to be quiet and I'm glassing as I'm going. So it's not just like, you know, three quarters of a day just hoofing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm glass, I'm hunting, but I work my way up there and I don't find the ram, but I find him the next morning. And it turns out he's like a five-year-old ram and, um, you know, he's maybe just a little bit better than half, but mm-hmm. he's not a three-quarter mm-hmm. and he's probably really closer to half. And so I'm just like, you know, it's the second day of the hunt. I'm going to let him be. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep looking. And uh, I find some sheep sign and um, I'm working my way down this ridge and um Here's the thing we were talking about. There's one road in the middle fork. I could have flown in on the other side, but I would have, there's no airstrips on my side mm-hmm. uh, where my unit is. And so I could have flown in and landed. There is a close airstrip, but it's private. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to ask because they do some outfitting and right. I knew they might have some sheep hunters. Mm-hmm. I had talked to the manager and they said, well, mm-hmm. and so I said, no, you know, I don't want to step on my toes. Right. So I would have had to land uh, downstream, mm-hmm. hike a couple miles upstream. There was a pack bridge. I could cross the pack bridge and then it's straight up from there. Mm-hmm. And mind you, it goes from 4,200 feet at the river to where I'm hunting and I can see the top yep. uh, to 9,200. So it's nearly a mile elevation gain right. in probably maybe two miles. Right. It is steep. It is just the meanest country. Oh my gosh. So a mile elevation gain in only two miles. Mm-hmm. And it's a rock pile. Yeah. It's just, you, it's one you're of those things you're, you're asking, what am I doing? <laughs> 
right. But we're hunters, and so yeah. we just power through. Right. And so, uh, and so, like we were talking earlier, there's one road in there. So I thought, you know, I'm gonna. My wife doesn't like me flying in solo. She doesn't like me hunting solo. She mm-hmm. doesn't like me flying solo. Mm-hmm. She doesn't know where I'm at. She can't get a hold of me. Mm-hmm. Yes, I have an in reach or yep. whatever. We can communicate, but in that country, you can't always because the satellites have to be directly over mm-hmm. the middle fork of the salmon. Right. And if you're if you're in I, a canyon, I, I could send a text and then I would hear it ding like three hours later right. as the earth rotates and lines mm-hmm. me up. And then she might respond and then two or three hours later again mm-hmm. in the morning. So if you're like, hey, honey, I'm here and I crashed and I'm bleeding to death. Right. Nothing's it happening happened. for a few yeah. hours. And not, yeah. <laughs> you might, you know, so you have to be really smart and you have to think about it. So I drive in because mm-hmm. that's what she wants me to do. Right. And so there's uh, five tags mm-hmm. in that unit. Well, there's really only one road into the, just the meanest, nastiest part. And mm-hmm. guess where all five tags were? <laughs> we were all camping literally within a 200 yard circle. Oh, no. I couldn't even sleep the first night because yeah. I could hear people in every camp snoring. I wow. laid there. I started laughing. I go, you have got to be kidding wow, me. How, all how did their land. wives ever get any sleep? Cause I'm 200, literally 200 <laughs> yards away. Yeah. And these guys just are going off. <laughs> And I was just like, oh, I just laid there and chuckled. Yeah. And I knew there was one woman. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking to myself, God, I hope she's not one of them snoring. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. She's probably the loudest. We're all there at the same spot. Mm-hmm. And so it just got crazy because, um, you know, everybody's kind of like being secretive. And, mm-hmm. hey, have you been and checking it out? Right. And, yeah, I've been a couple times. Giving the giving the most basic information, but trying to extract yeah. most information. Do you see anything? Oh, you know, I've seen a few. And I'll mm-hmm. be honest, none of them are shooters. Oh, okay. They're all looking at you shifty-eyed. It's like the worst <laughs> card game ever. And uh, But we're Hunter's on this. poker faces Oh, yeah, it was horrible. Like, it was horrible. <laughs> and it was hilarious at the same time. Uh-huh. I just chuckling to myself. And then, like, in one finally one morning after a couple, and I only hunted from my Jeep the first day. Mm-hmm. Um, and about three or four days later, I come back and I'd kind of hang out my, my Jeep and I would eat a little bit better and mm-hmm. a little bit more and had more water. And then I would take off again for two or three days. I spent 21 days in there. Mm. Oh my gosh. But yeah. So it got really crazy because this is what was happening in this unit. You're in the middle of nowhere. Right. There's five tags. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, I'm the first one that says, so everybody's really cool. Hey, we got enough breakfast for you guys. Get over yeah, here. Yeah. And it was really awesome. And so I made some really cool friends uh-huh. and they're feeding me meals. And mm-hmm. I don't know if they're trying to extract uh, information. They're, they're offering you booze and whiskey. <laughs> and um, I'm like one of the only ones going out. But finally, I break the ice. I go, hey, I don't want to step on anybody. Yep. And, you know, I've been hunting this direction for the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Which direction have you guys been going? Because I don't want to like, well we hunted that direction mm-hmm. but since you're out we're gonna go hunt where you were oh well, i guess i'll go hunt where you were right. it was just ridiculous after a while <laughs> and i see now it's really that way with buck hunting mm-hmm. and that and that's what's happening but gotcha. back to your your question of long-range shooting yeah yeah i got on the ridge and i'm working my way i find a nice ram track i know mm-hmm. he's a good one i'm looking for him but he's kind of in the timber because it's so hot mm-hmm. and um I'm kind of looking and all of a sudden I hear a shot and it's like they're shooting right at me mm-hmm. and it feels like they're really close. Although I realize they're across the canyon, mm-hmm. a really steep, rocky canyon. Um, and they shoot and I went, oh gosh. And I sit there for a few minutes, you know, I'm going, hmm, that was really close. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm like, man, he's in here somewhere. He's right here. And I know they're over there mm-hmm. and I know they're kind of lazy already from a few days of hunting. 
And so then another shot rings out. I'm going, maybe they didn't hit him. Mm -hmm. And then like another one. And then I can hear like bullet impact. Mm. They wind up shooting seven rounds. Wow. And um, I don't see anybody. Yeah. And uh, so I kind of pulled out of there. I'm like, well, they either killed him. Right. Or if they didn't. He's not here. They bumped everything out. Right. And so I left. I didn't make it back to camp for another two days. I made it back. And I'm like, hey, did you guys shoot a ram? Uh-huh. And they're like, no, we didn't shoot one. Mm-hmm. I go, was it you guys that shot like seven rounds? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what happened? Yeah. And the one guy goes, well, I was probably shooting a little too far. Mm-hmm. And and his son I look at his son, and he's a, he's a younger guy, mm-hmm. like 19, and, yep. and I already knew he'd been in the mil- He's in the military. Mm-hmm. He's kind of home on leave or whatever to help his dad, and mm-hmm. they had nine people in their group helping their dad try to get this ram, mm-hmm. and their dad's like my age, uh, his dad is. And so I was like, how far did you shoot? And I could tell his dad didn't want to say anything, <laughs> but the kid pipes up, um, 1,118 yards. Oh. And I'm just going... 118 oh, yards. That is a long shot. I go, how close were you? Yeah. He's like, oh, that kid hurry and speaks up again. He goes, well, I was watching him. The first couple shots was like nine feet over. <laughs> and his dad's just, you could just see the shame. Dad's like going, please stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> you could just see, he just felt like a, just a yeah, total yeah. jack wagon, right, right. you know? And he goes, you know, I got a gun that would probably in the hands of somebody who knew what they're doing, shoot that far. Yeah. But he goes, I've only shot this rifle to 600 yards. Mm. And so in the conversation. There's a very big difference. I go, to, I go did you guys know I was there? Uh-huh. Well, we had seen you. Oh, what? So what happened was, is I was working on that ramp. Yeah. I'm on the same side of the canyon working right. on him. They're across the canyon. They see me going. And so. That's they got they greedy. Shooting. They got greedy, and they're going, "Man, oh my gosh, he's going to kill this ram yeah. out from underneath us." I'm on him. Right. It turns out that I was only just a couple hundred yards from. Oh, him. I couldn't see him for this tree. I even told you this. I'd be scared to tell you this. Well, it came out a couple of days later because, mm. like every night in their camp, the booze had come out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> also, how are they hiking, drinking that much? They weren't. That's the whole reason. <laughs> they didn't. Well, his dad tried to tell. I go, "How come you guys?" I go, "I just have to ask." Uh-huh. Man, you know, it's a sheep hunt. It's yep. like once in a lifetime thing. Some people never even get the opportunity to draw, right. much, le- much less, uh, you know, get to go hunt. You know, mm-hmm. some guys wait their whole life. I go, why? Because this is always a question for me. Yeah. With some of our friends mm-hmm. that we know are taking long range shots, yeah. maybe they're good enough, but uh, according to their stories, most of them are not. Right. And they take a Hail Mary. Mm-hmm. And I think there's as much bragging rights for them in the shot as yeah. there is in the rack. Right. Hate to each his own. But my question to them was, man, how come you guys, you couldn't close the gap just right. a little bit? I'm thinking, gosh, you wouldn't, you could even talk like we're talking right now yeah. for half that distance. Totally. You're probably okay. Right. And like you could, uh, well, you um, could make a ton of noise up to before 500 yards and yeah. they're not going to hear you. Yeah. And so I'm like, why, why didn't you try to close the gap? Well, that's kind of when it started coming out that, well, they'd seen me mm. and they tried to say that they'd cliffed out. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is what everyone says, but they, I've, I still well, have never, I've only experienced that one time well, I and know. I went the next morning. And got the buck. Well, and I'd already been on that side and I'm on the other side looking over and I'm thinking, there are no cliffs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's rough and it's right. steep and it's mean right, for right. sure. But you can go um, down. Yeah, you could. And then you can go up. Yeah, you could have done it. <laughs> right. 
I mean, I was over there. I think you're totally right. Is there's a lot of people who, uh, they get their, they get their buck, they get their animal and, and there's some pride about how far the shot was because a big element to hunting, you have your hunting part and then you have your shooting part. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people want to be really good at the shooting part and the hunting part for some weird reason takes a back seat. And I've never understood that because to me, the funnest Mm -hmm. is seeing it up close as close as you can. And then making a a decision on whether you want to take that animal or not. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes when I close the distance from, you know, 2000 yards to 300 yards, I'll usually see a better buck in that distance Mm -hmm. as I'm going towards it. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've never understood. I've never understood that. Um, one of my buddies who is an incredible hunter, um, and who is not for shooting long distance, he took an 800, he shot a really big buck, 850 yards, um, which to me is, you know, my max distance. I, I practice at 850 yards. No problem. I'll, I'll right. shoot a, a steel target this big. Yeah. You yeah. Know, at 850 yards. Uh, but that makes me confident at my max, which is probably 550, something yeah. like that for my particular setup. Um, but my buddy told me, and, and he said he was hunting at 10,500 feet. And I believe him. And he said he did cliff out and he goes, it's the first time this has ever happened Mm -hmm. where he could not see a way that he could get to this Mm -hmm. buck. And he said he spent two hours setting up because the buck was bedded down. Mm -hmm. It hadn't moved. And he said he was hoping it would move so he wouldn't take the shot. But he Mm -hmm. said two hours later and he was completely calm, completely steady, knew that buck wasn't going to move. And he finally decided I can, I can make this shot and pull the trigger. But I honestly think that's what it takes. Yeah. You have to have that much confidence. You have to be that steady. You have to have the right equipment in order to be able to take a shot like that. If you're only practicing at max 800 and you're taking an 1100 yard shot, it should yeah. be the exact opposite. And then, you, yeah. And it's, um, and here's the sad part. So I asked so like, okay, the first couple shots, This is why I don't like to take them. Mm -hmm. And this is probably why you get irritated with it. This is what irritates me Mm -hmm. um, beyond Mm -hmm. because I just think they're awesome. I don't Mm -hmm. care if it's a two point or if it's a five by five, that's 35 inches. Totally. They're all majestic anymore. And Mm -hmm. I just think that, you know, life is hard enough for them. And here we are shooting rifles that'll, really all honesty shoot a country mile yeah uh, we have glass to find them at two three five miles mm-hmm. um, we have the camo i mean it's all really a lot of it's in our favor totally and so i asked those guys i go well so your first couple shots were nine feet over and I, well we got a couple more that were just like right at his feet and then we don't know where the other ones went <laughs> so you could have injured it could have and i asked him i go so did you guys go over and check i mean did you look for any blood no we didn't i was just like yeah and and so and then and that's we what i don't understand because i've 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 hit uh i hit, i hit an elk that didn't even know it was hit with a bullet and it kept eating and feeding i thought i missed i thought i missed my bolt my gun must be off i'm just gonna stop shooting yeah. and i walk over the ridge and it had died but it didn't even know so how would i know yeah, unless you go. Unless you go. And so, and that's my second thing. Well, if you're going to go check, if you're a good sportsman, mm-hmm. and people, guy, what guys don't understand is this is the kind of thing that gives us a sportsman a really bad name. Totally. And rightfully so. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're going to shoot at it, go over there and check. Mm-hmm. However, if you're going to make the effort to go over there and check, 
just close the gap and right. shoot him at four. <laughs> if you know you're going to have to check either way. Yeah. And that doesn't cross people's minds sometimes yeah. is they want to see they won't it check. fall. They want to see it fall and go to the bottom of the mountain because then they just have to go to the bottom of the mountain. Yeah. But oftentimes that's not how it works. No. You're going to have to check when you take the shot. Yeah. You got, if you're a sportsman whatsoever, go check for yeah. his sake. I mean, how would you like to lay there all night with yeah. a bullet in your guts? Totally. And we have the opportunity just be terrible. to give a lot of these animals the cleanest, easiest death they will experience in the wild because a lot of their other options yeah. are rough. Yeah. It's starvation or it's eaten to it's or, eaten alive. Yep. Dying in the cold. Yeah. Winter kill. Yep. Oh man. We have the opportunity to give them a super clean death. Um, which I know a lot of people are gonna be like, that's morbid, but it's true. It's true. No, it is true. Um, and so I'm if I'm, we do our part and we make the clean shot yes. and you know. So I'm extra hard. I'm the hardest on myself. First of all, if I make a bad shot on something, I, I live with it for a long time. Like, especially if it's a 30 inch bug. (laughs) Did you, did that happen to you? (laughs) Oh no, this is another story. I really only missed one good buck. And, uh, and I say that humbly. Um, I missed other bucks as a young guy, Mm -hmm. but not too often. Um, because I think uh, I've always been a hunter and mm-hmm. I've, I've grown up with a 22 in my hand. Right. I was hunting when I was wait. I wasn't even old enough to hunt, mm-hmm. but my mom would let our, our, my mom would let me go out and hunt. Yeah. She'd take me out on the desert and drop me off at like 10 years old. And I'd stay the night Wow. Uh, with a friend. Yep. And then she would tell me something like, uh, if anything bad happens, cause we have cell phones in, you go to that ranch house over there mm. and you can probably call me. Right. Right. And so I grew up with a gun in my hand, but. Um, I just, when it comes to shooting, I've just, I've done a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, I grew up down the snake river mm-hmm. Canyon. And so I used to shoot a lot of rock chucks mm-hmm. and, uh, I had had a, I, I worked and I bought a custom 22250 mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, I didn't really ever hear any long range shooting in, uh, only guys that were doing it in competition and mm-hmm. maybe military type guys, but there was really nobody shooting long range. Uh, when I, for myself and not to say that there wasn't, but I didn't know anybody. Mm-hmm. And I was, I always loved hunting bucks and, uh, I was, shoot, I was a coyote hunter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I got to where I wouldn't even shoot rock chucks unless with at least 300 because it just was too easy. Right. And, and I, and I was shooting literally probably 50 to hundred rounds a week wow. of 22 to 50. And I, I reloaded myself and that's mm-hmm. not a deer rifle, but, and, uh, as I really started getting, and I got old and I was in my early twenties, maybe 24, 25. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, I was getting more and more into the buck hunting. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I found myself, you know, I'd find these bucks and then, uh, I couldn't get on them, not mm-hmm. because I was cliffing out, but because maybe it's a big open basin. Mm-hmm. Um, and you couldn't cross it. There's no cover. Right. They would see you. If there was partial cover, you'd go to try to cross and you're in shale. You're mm-hmm. just making a ton of noise. And so I wound up starting to ask a few old guys I knew who had military. One of them was a sniper. Mm-hmm. One was a trainer for the CIA and FBI. Mm-hmm. And uh, his name was Barry. And I asked Barry, hey, you know, if I was going to buy a long range gun, what would what would you recommend? And he told me, you know, I'd get a, I'd get a 7mm. Or I'd get a 300. Now, I'm not saying there's better or worse calibers now, but this was uh, probably 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I bought a 300. And uh, and it worked wonderful, mm-hmm. you know. And I was making some shots, but I practiced all the time. Right. I shot all the time. When ammo was cheap. Ammo was cheap. Mm-hmm. I could buy stuff to reload. And I just shot it. And I actually shot, I had two of those rifles, and I shot one and wound up, 
getting broke and I had to sell it, but mm-hmm. I still have the one and I have other really nice, way nicer rifles. I still hunt with the same old 300. Really? I'll go to grab my, you know, a $5,000 custom built yep. seven mag that I have that just shoots lights out. And I was like, mm, and I grab the old, I grab the old war horse, you yeah. know, and, uh, it doesn't shoot as good. But I sure kill game with it. And there's something um, about the confidence you get with something that you've been shooting with for a long time. Right. Because I shot until two years ago, I shot with the same 270 that I've shot with since I was 12 years old. And I would brag to people all the time that I have not made a bad shot ex- until, except for the very first year. So when I was 12 years old, I made a bad shot on a deer. But I would brag to people all the time up until I got the new rifle. And all of a sudden I lost my confidence Um, and it was confidence because I'd go out and I'd, I'd shoot at targets and, and, and it would take me a long time to get steady and realize that it's me making the mistakes. But with my other rifle, so much confidence was there that I would pull up, shoot and hit it every time. Yeah. Um, now figuring out it was all the rifle. Um, (laughs) but now I keep, I have the same problem as I don't even have a scope on that other gun. When I'm getting ready to go hunting, I'll look at that other gun and go, I should just put the scope on that and go out because right. it gives me the confidence. Yeah. If it still groups. Right. And, um, you know, and so I, and I think too, that there's a, you know, the 6.5 craze had came, but it's mm-hmm. really been around for a long time. You know, I know old guys, I, I hunt with an old guy this year mm-hmm. and he's uh, 77 years old. Wow. And we backpacked in together. Wow. And he was just a tough old cooter. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, wow. And he's shooting a 264 and he's mm-hmm. got several of them. Yep. And actually he's had a lot of, he just sold a Winchester collection mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he's had some wonderful rifles, but he's still shooting the old 264, which is, you know, a 6.5. Right. And I'm not saying that's not a great long range gun, but mm-hmm. I think there's some, <clears throat> some for me and some people may really hate me for saying so. And, uh, and I'm not saying a 6.5 Creedmoor can't kill a buck out there. seven 800 yards. Sure. It probably can. I just, I question the, I question the velocity and, right. and I question, you know, if it's got enough knockdown power mm-hmm. at that distance, I, I have a friend who is it going to be forgiving at all? Yeah. Yeah. Is there going to, yeah, because, uh, and again, I know that we kill deer and elk with bows and arrows all the time. Right. So we all know it's about shot placement. Mm -hmm. And so, um, but when I know a lot of, I, and I know personally quite a few guys who are getting into this long range shooting thing Mm -hmm. and they're taking into the field. Great. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know I've been doing it too. Um, but I feel like they're a little undergunned and they're going, Oh yeah, man, I'm, I'm shooting a 6.5 Creed more. Mm-hmm. And then they're, and then I'm unfortunately a couple of years of it. And they're going, um, I go, you're still shooting a 6.5. No, I'm going up bigger. Right. And, yeah. and I get it. Yep. And so, um, I think we as sportsmen, we need to remember just because of a gun is a great thousand yard gun shooting paper doesn't mean it's a great thousand yard gun shooting deer and elk well most of the time people aren't even shooting paper they're shooting steel and some of these gun ranges they don't know how big that steel is yeah could be five feet long yeah (laughs) if you hit it and you hear the ting you're like oh yes i got it uh that doesn't that doesn't mean anything when you're shooting and uh, so for the record whoever watches this yeah and you know don't don't shoot me because of it or hate me i just i just think that again it's one of those things that if uh we do it with bows and arrows. Yeah. If you're going to shoot a deer and elk with a bow and arrow, what do mm-hmm. you do? I right. mean, you're trying to get the heaviest 
or the flattest shooting arrow mm-hmm. with the heaviest grain bullet or mm-hmm. overall weight of the arrow. And we're trying to get the velocity because that also kills, you know? Mm-hmm. And so we do the same thing with them. But I, I just think that sometimes uh, guys are grabbing those six fives. And I've had several friends that have had some pretty bad experiences and wish right. they hadn't have done it. Well, and if we're, like I said, um, if we're going to be really hard on, our, on ourselves about it, uh, we should also be hard on our friends who are hunters <laughs> on it. Because, you know, and, and mistakes happen. Mistakes right. happen. But if, yeah. if continual mistakes happen year after year and we want to keep, you know, the hunting name as, as something that people don't look down on, which is finally not looked down on anymore. Being a hunter is like a good thing in society. Right. Uh, and if we want to continue that and continue the sportsmanship of it, uh, I think we need to be hard on people who are around us that we think are doing yeah unethical things right. uh, or wounding animals year after Agreed. year. Agreed. Good hunters don't wound animals year after year. Yeah. They fix something. Yes. Yeah. Or they, hopefully we become honest with ourselves and start saying things like, you know what? I took an 800 and I have killed, I killed a bull elk at 820 yeah. some yards. Right. Um, I was pretty proud of it at the time. Now I look back and I'm like, eh, a little bit of a bonehead. <laughs> could I have uh, gotten closer? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I probably could have, right. but I've been hunting a week already. Mm-hmm. And so I justify by, man, if I don't take the shot, I'm never going to get one. Sure. I killed him. He was a nice bull. Mm-hmm. Um, wasn't a great bull, but he was like a 327 bull or sure. something. And so he's still on my wall today. But I, I just think for me, I feel like I owe it to the animal. Right. Um, and I have come upon animals that were... Um, I shot a, a really nice mule deer buck one time. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about your story. Is this your story now? Well, I have a few. The probably. thirty incher one. Oh, that you were saying? No. Were you trying to avoid that? No, well, I could probably <laughs> come up with a couple. <laughs> I thought yeah. you were gonna say. You thought you had said something like you made a bad shot on a on a big buck. I missed. I just missed. Oh, well. okay. Yeah. Well, at least you missed. He was running. Oh yeah, but yeah. you had to take the shot. <laughs> I took it, man. I took it, and I just, I just knew I had him in the yep. pan. But uh, he, he went away free and clear. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think that to me, and we'll we'll jump into some of your stories because to me this is important, and it's what I talk to a lot of long distance shooters about because I'm not a long distance shooter, so I don't fully understand a lot of it. Um, but I do practice where I can at least hit steel at a thousand yards. I'll never shoot an animal at a thousand yards because I know I can't, and I know I don't have the equipment for it. But some people are really confident in it. But my question to them would be: If you shoot once and realized that you completely missed, and you have to readjust based on wind, based on did the animal take a step, um, based on any of that, if you completely miss on your first shot. And you know that that's a possibility, but you'll be able to readjust and take that second shot. Then that would be where I'd question you probably shouldn't have taken the first shot in the first place. Yeah, so what the question is, what's a long shot? Right. For you. For you, me. You might be 500. Long shot is 500. Uh, for some guys, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. Or some guys are going to tell you a thousand. You're just going, okay. Well, well that's what my point is. Is there a limit? Is right. there an Where's overall? Where's your limit? Yeah. Is there a limit? And I'm not saying it. It should be a law, but is there a limit that you should not be shooting past X amount? And my, I would say the limit would be, can, does the animal have the potential to take a step before that bullet even hits it? Oh, yeah. Then that, that probably is too long for anyone. 
because how can you predict if it's going to take a step? Um, I mean, if the bullet takes a second to get there and it's easy for an animal to just take a step, you could hit it in the completely wrong spot, even if you shot perfect. Yeah. And that's where I start to go. There should be some sort of, at least every hunter should have that ethical limit in their head of no matter how good my equipment gets, I shouldn't shoot past a certain Exactly. Point. And I think you're right. I don't know. There should be a law, mm-hmm. but I think we as sportsmen and, you know, maybe it's learned, um, you know, the same goes, I was shooting rock chucks, you know, as a kid mm-hmm. with a 22, 250 and, you know, 300 yards is getting out there for a 22, 250, but, right. but I was, I was killing them. But in the end, you know, they had to die too. And they're no different than a deer. Right. Um, I, I'll be honest, for some reason, I kill most of my bucks. Uh, they're, I'm going to say probably uh, 450 to 550 mm-hmm. and uh, an occasional one over that. Right but I do not like to take those shots, right. but I do. Um, but it seems you have the equipment and you're practiced at it. And I've just done it so much mm-hmm. and uh, not on game, but and I've shot you're going to lot. go check no matter what. And I'm going to go check. <laughs> and if I don't feel like I can do it, and here's the thing, and with a lot of guys, I would tell a lot of hunters that I think one of the biggest mistakes we can make as a hunter is if you see that trophy buck that mm-hmm. you're just dying to kill and you're running out of daylight, just slip out. Mm-hmm. Come back tomorrow. You'll right. probably get on him again. Yeah. He's going to be there. Totally. And, uh, you know, and I always tell my friends. I would, I would nine out of ten times. Oh, yeah. You can come back the next day and he's going to be there. I always tell my, the younger guys, guys have grown up with my kids, mm-hmm. uh, guys, some that I've taken with me. I say, you know, I get the whole you want to brag about the long shot. Right. The rifle hunter wants to brag about the long shot. The mm-hmm. bow hunter wants to tell you, I got him in within nine yards right. or whatever, you know, it's right. all some about that. I get yeah. it. Uh, I'm not exempt. Right. But I would rather go check this out. Right. I'd rather go. I got him. Totally. It wasn't 900. Right. But it was 400. Right. Or 450. But either way, he's going to look really good on the wall. Right. And I'm, I'm going to drink my coffee next year and go, man, I can't wait till hunt season. <laughs> <Right. again." laughs> you know? And I'm kind of the opposite. I brag about how close I got. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like well, I spotted I him at 900 yards and then I was able to close the gap to 100 yards. To me, yeah. that's like I checkmated that deer, you know? Yeah, that's right. You got into his living room and you got him, you know, harvested. And, uh, and then for me, there's just nothing better. I hate taking a second shot. Mm-hmm. And so it's not uh, just pride, but for the animal, I just, for the animal's sake, I just feel like if I, you know, they're so awesome mm-hmm. and so majestic to me. And uh, it just seems like as I'm getting older, um, I just respect it more. Right. And um, because I do have a lot of good gear. Right. And it's really a little unfair. Right. And so if I just feel like for myself as a sportsman, if you're going to do it, you know, try to make it ethical. Right. Try to, put him down that one shot. Mm-hmm. And when I do, you know, there's nothing better than you shoot that big buck, mm-hmm. you roll him down the hill. He just doesn't move, doesn't mm-hmm. kick. Yeah. You sit there for a few minutes more, just waiting if in case he does. Mm-hmm. And then you just go down and go, wow. You know? Yeah. And cause even now, as much as I like hunting big mule deer bucks mm-hmm. and um, there's still, there's a part of me that just like, I'm like, woohoo. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just like a little heart broke. Yeah. hundred percent. And I just feel like, man, what an awesome, mm-hmm. what an awesome opportunity. Yep. And, um, it's that's almost just a no wins. It's funny because emotionally, 
especially when I come home and I talk to my wife, it's almost a no win situation sometimes because (laughs) when I do get something, oftentimes I'm really sad because I I feel bad that I had to shoot something. It's a mixed emotion. I feel feel bad. And I tell her, like, I tell her the story and I even get like emotional about it when I'm telling her the story, but I'm it's, it's a mixture of excitement, but also sadness that I had to kill something. Um, but when I, if I miss something, I'm mad and emotional at the same. It's like Amory never gets uh, a, just a happy Tyler coming home from hunting. It never happens. <laughs> I'm just mad or sad, but I'm, I love it so much and I can't stop yeah. doing it. Right. Um, but there's something about just being out there and experiencing everything. And I will say the times that I come home the happiest are oftentimes when I do get on a buck and I get within shooting distance and then I pass up the buck. Yeah. Like for when whatever I pass reason. up the buck, for whatever reason, it could yeah. be a, a decent Bad buck. shot. Sure. Could, could make be. a good shot that you wanted. Yeah. Or I'm, yeah. or I'm going, you know, I'm not ready for this to be over. Yeah. Uh, and There's, I decide I'm going to, I'm even if I don't see a bigger buck, I'm not ready for this to be over. It's that the first happens day. to me more often than not. I'll yeah. go home empty handed at the end of the year. I walk home with nothing. Yeah. And my wife is like, gosh, we could have bought a beef, you know? <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> It's not all about that. Right. It's about the experience. Yeah. And yes, I wished I had some deer meat in the mm-hmm. freezer and I, and I'd really like to be holding on to a nice rack. That'd be awesome. Yeah. But I did have a good time. Totally. And, uh, you know, people spend several thousand dollars to go to Hawaii mm-hmm. and I don't spend near that deer hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, I've had all the gear I've had it for years. Once in a while I'll upgrade a little bit. Sure. But, um, you know, for the most part anymore, it's some gas, mm-hmm. some some ammo, and some freeze-dried meals, you yeah. know. And then just really days missed from work. Right. But still doesn't come up close to a lot of people's uh, vacations. And uh, I'm with you, though. And if I get that buck, then it's uh, – and, and the other thing is, you know, when I get a buck, mm-hmm. I, I get every piece of meat off there I can. Oh, yeah. I don't care what's five more pounds in the big scheme right. of things. yeah. Just get the meat, man. Right. And you're going to be hurting no matter what. Yeah. Hamburger it. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're going to be hurting anyway. Yeah. Totally. You'll be crying about it. You'll be glad it's over in a couple right. of days. But in a couple of days, you'll be going, oh, man, this was awesome. Yeah. You know, that's when you brag. Right. Yeah. It's not the next day. The next day, oh, my gosh. You know, it's terrible. Right. I'm just hurting all over. And mm-hmm. and I'm and my wife even questions, why do you do it? Right. I don't know. <laughs> But it's awesome. Yep. And uh, and then three days, four days after you, you're feeling better. Mm-hmm. You're not hurting as bad. You're going, man, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. I wished it wasn't over. And those are the two things I brag about. How close I shot and how much meat I got off of it. Yeah. Because if I make a bad shot, I don't, I don't, that's the, even if it's a huge buck, if I make a bad shot, I'm oftentimes like, I don't even want to talk to people about what happened. <laughs> We never because do. I don't want to tell that story, right? Even the, but I'm I relive it over and over oh, yeah. for weeks. I'll relive yeah. it. Um, and this I'll tell this story just to just to give people some perspective on bad things do happen, even if you plan everything perfectly. Yeah. Bad shots can happen. Um, and you try to mitigate that by being the best hunter you can, by getting as close as you can, and by knowing your equipment really well. Yeah, exactly. Um, but last year. I was archery hunting for a bull um, and I hiked up to this ridge and it, I, I got to be honest, it was the easiest hike I've ever had in my whole life. I hiked up probably a hundred yards away from where I parked, um, popped up and over a ridge and there was a herd of elk heading right up towards me. I've never had that happen before in my life. So I 
go right. I get right in front of where I think, and I've been hiking a lot this year. So I was super happy to have a break and see some elk heading up towards me and not having to do too much. Um, I set up right in front of these elk and just give one little cow call. And this bull runs right in front of these elk and gets 25 yards. Uh, I pull back, take the shot shot hits right where I thought it should. And the bull turns and starts running. And my buddy runs over to me. He's like, did you get it? I'm like, yeah, I got it. And we're putting our binoculars on it. The arrows in the bull about this far. And I, and it's right in the rib. And I've never even seen this happen. My, my, my bow shoots really hard, really fast. Uh, and all I can think of is it's stuck in its rib and completely stopped. Um, and we watched this bull run through the trees and I'm praying, I'm like, please, like the trees are hitting this arrow, the tip, the, the back of the arrow, the fletching. And I'm hoping that it's digging in, doing something to drop this bull. And all I see is the arrow just bending as it runs through the trees. And I'll, I I'm trying, I'm desperately trying to think of what, what wrong, what happened? Like, I've never even heard of this. Usually it breaks right through the ribs. Yeah. Um, and so that night I followed its blood trail as far as I could until it was dark. And then I thought in case this thing didn't, in case the arrow didn't wedge farther in it, I'm going to just let it rest, let it die. Came back the next day, looked for it forever that day, all, all morning with a buddy. Um, and we're following little tiny block of drops of blood that have fallen off the end of the fletching. Um, and we followed this, blood trail for miles and it's just little tiny tiny drops of blood until there was no more blood Mm -hmm. um and then i looked for that bull the rest of the season (laughs) just and i called fishing game i said if you guys hear of a bull walking around with an arrow in it out in the mountains tell me and i'll go get it uh and never heard anything uh but yeah i I still can't think of what could have possibly went wrong but i beat myself up over it for months and I still think about it and I'm upset at myself for it. I still don't know what I did wrong, but I think that, I think that's how you should feel when you screw up. Well, and I think there should be some remorse. If you don't, Mm -hmm. you kind of have to like maybe question yourself. You should check yourself. If you can just, if you can just shoot something and then, you know, we're all excited. Whoa, man, I got him to your buddy. Yeah, I got him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. But if, if there's like, no remorse. I'm just like, gosh, you can, that's a little cold. When I watched the guy <laughs> who I reamed out for it, I watched him shoot an elk. Uh, it nicked low, but he was unwilling to even look for it because, uh, and this was in, this is, I watched the bull come in. I watched the shot. I saw that it was low, but I saw it for sure hit. And there was a blood trail and he, the line that he used was, I'll just stick another one. And I was like, no, you won't. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, you won't. We're looking for this or I'm calling fishing game. Um, yeah. And I think that's how it needs to be. Yeah. Uh, those people should be checked that not every hunter is cool with yeah. them just saying, oh, I'll just stick another one. Gosh, I know that's just, it's just, uh, it comes to the point, you know, there's, I see a lot of guys, all they care about is the horns and, right. and we're hearing these stories too, you know, um, I have actually I have several friends who are working. Uh, they're fishing game officers, mm-hmm. and um, they hear stuff all the time. I, I you know, we find a a buck, and there's no head. Mm-hmm. And, Why? And they didn't take any meat. Gosh. And you're just like, it's all about the 
the horns. Yep. And uh, luckily, you know, and I think this is kind of awesome. We all have a cell phone anymore and they all have a camera. Mm-hmm. And so they they find a lot of them. Oh, yeah. guys find it. Uh, I was just talking to my friend who works for Fish and Game mm-hmm. out of the salmon office. And he was um, somebody hid, were on a sheep hunt. Mm-hmm. Not in my unit, but another unit down. And he'd asked me how my hunt went. And we were talking. And and he asked me if I seen any bucks. I did not. Mm-hmm. And uh, because it looks really bucky, but I didn't see any bucks. Mm-hmm. But and we were talking about that whole deal. But he said one of his sheep hunters, saw another hunter saw a sheep hunter uh, shoot a buck out of his unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that unit wasn't open yet for deer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he said it was in his unit. Well, the person took a picture right. in the middle fork of the mm-hmm. salmon river. I mean, it's, it's a, it is in the middle of nowhere. Right. And, uh, but there's enough people out there. They took that a picture, <laughs> the fishing game went and they found right the pile, the gut pile. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, he got a nice ticket out of it. And right. Rightfully so, man. Yeah. I mean, and, I think they should for sure. I mean, I think immediately you should get your license taken away for, yeah, for a few years. Yeah. I mean, there's some people who make honest mistakes, uh, yeah. And I, and I get that. Um, but there's so many, there's so much equipment now that it, it it's hard to make that mistake. Like you can look on mm-hmm. hunt X, you can download a map of where you're hunting on hunt X and you can yeah. see exactly where you're standing and what unit you're on and whether you're on public land, private land, BLM, national forest. Like you can yeah, see you exactly know. where yeah. you're at. And, and we all have your phone. In. Yeah. I mean, most six year olds, eight year olds, yeah. they're getting them now. It's just like, and so, yeah, we all have one and, uh, and we all, you know, you can buy a really nice rifle that shoots really well for just, you know. Right. You'll be under a thousand bucks. You oh, yeah. can have a Leopold scope and like mm-hmm. a Ruger American or something. And That's I've what I have some friends that shoot them. Yeah, and they shoot great. Traditional standard yeah. Ruger. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, shoot one. I hated it for the first couple of years because. Because you missed a deer. Because <laughs> I missed a deer. <laughs> and blame the gun. It's a I, poor carpenter blames I, his tools. <laughs> I told all of the gunsmiths I know, there's something wrong with this gun. They would take it and shoot it and be like, there's nothing wrong with this gun. I just did. I forgot how to shoot. I think after that many years of shooting with the same gun, I just learned that one gun so well that when I went to shoot this new one, I was like, nope, there's something wrong with this. Yeah. The trigger was way more sensitive, which is a good thing. Um, and the scope was way more zoomed in, a good thing. And I just could not get used to it until now. Maybe. Now I'm good. Maybe it. it was buck fever. It could be. You know, I got I got really bad um, buck fever this year. Uh, did I tell you my story this year? No. Gosh, you're going to laugh. Is this it? No. This is... <laughs> This is not, this is not that buck. This is a buck I'm hoping to get someday. This is only like two years old. So he's still out there somewhere. And look at how unique he is. Oh, he's a nice, he's a nice symmetrical. That's the kind of buck that when like they get some time, a couple time. more years. Yeah. Well, that's a typical five. Yeah. But that's the kind of buck that will, when he gets the lage on him, if he gets some he's width, be cool. if he, if he lives, you know, doesn't lion kill or winter kill or yeah. hunter kill. I'll be a nice buck. I'll find him. I'm sure I'm the only one who's uh, scared him out of that area at this point in the last two years. (laughs) You know, what's funny is I followed him and his tracks ran all the way down to the main highway. And that was following him for three and a half miles. Uh, I kept side hilling this mountain and we were way back there out in the middle of nowhere. Um, Well, we were three and a half miles away from a highway, but we kept, I kept following his tracks all the way down and sure enough, I could, I could watch his tracks in the snow go all the way down to the highway. Um, and he cross it? 
Yeah, across the highway. Left. So he went from 48 to 49. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm, I still haven't seen, you know, it, I don't see a lot of bucks come out of here with this uh, extra tine anymore. So I'm excited to see if anyone does end up getting one like him in that, in that area. I'm sure he'll be back. Oh yeah. Well, I, I'm, I've been hearing of a couple guys who have shot some five, five, five bucks. Mm -hmm. Um, one, uh, we were talking about areas and where I hunt. And so. Yeah. Can you, uh, point it out on a map for me? Oh, and I wish. <laughs> It's really we'll get nothing, you, a map. you know, it's really nothing that spectacular. It's yeah. like I tell some of the other guys, it's really only, it's how you hunt it. It's how you hunt it. And totally I figured, agree. I kind of figured out over the years where the bucks like to hang. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I figured out, and most of it, you know, is trial and error. Um, the one place I go, if you go off the wrong trail, if you don't go the right place, you will regret it from the bottom all the mm -hmm. way to the top. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't know it until uh, probably the second year or so hunting it. I was packing a buck out and there's a trail you got to get on mm -hmm. and it will cliff out and mm -hmm. it will take you down into this terrible waterfall system and it's straight up and down and then you'll get out but you're gonna have to backtrack mm -hmm. a half a mile and then can't do a and, nice and if you're really tough and you and you know because you're coming out with a hundred pound pack probably mm -hmm. if you have your gear for for hunting and overnight and then um but just gonna be straight up for a quarter mile it would mm -hmm. just be it would be mm, terrible it's already hard enough in there mm -hmm. and so um but what i have learned is i think there's good bucks and and i and i, I don't say this boastfully but i do believe that if i spent some time every year doing mm -hmm. a little scouting i i really feel like for the most part i could probably kill some a 27 28 inch buck every year wow if i if i spent the time right um and i don't spend the time that i used to mm -hmm. um just you know life happens and family and now i got five grandkids and and uh they're hunting they're, they're, they're getting ready out. to hunt huh? yeah they're, they're hunting and so the oldest one he's uh you still got to show them up then oh gosh they're used to showing me up <laughs> he's he's hunted three years and he's killed three bucks and a, and yep. a cow elk wow and he's 12 that's crazy like, wow man oh. i better pull it together right yeah <laughs> but uh so it's just life happens, and so I don't spend the time, and quite honestly, I don't find the bucks either. Yeah, and so, uh, and so, you know, I think all of us too, you know, for being a good sportsman, I, I know guys who really want to kill a good buck every year, but they don't put the time in either. Right. And so I used to kill bucks real consistent, but I was putting in the time. Right. And as I'm getting older, you know, I have grandkids, and my wife wants more of my time, and mm -hmm. you know, I'm also a pilot, and so I'm flying, and I'm. And so uh, my time, you know, I only have so much time after working on the weekends. Right. So, but you only have so many years left. 15, 20. You I only have a lot have of some, friends that are like always 77 years old, that guy's hiking. He gives, you, gives you some hope. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. And, you know, and it's like, what was funny is he took me in and he got me on some pretty nice bucks wow. I could have taken. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's old school. Yep. He's wearing a pair of uh, blue jeans. <laughs> right. Uh, no uh, just like a, a Levi coat or something. Uh -huh. It wasn't even a warm coat yep. and it wasn't camo. Mm -hmm. I had all the trick stuff, you know, <laughs> and I'm not too over the top with it. And, right. and I didn't really look like a, you know, like a hunting model, mm -hmm. but close. Right. <laughs> and he's like hunting with the old Jansport day pack <laughs> with an apple in it, you know, type right. of guy, no gloves. We're going wow. in there. My hands were cold and I had gloves on mm -hmm. and he's hiking with the, 
264, leather sling, over the shoulder, hands in his pockets, and then a lot of times just no gloves. I'm wow. just I'm following him. Yeah. I'm following him. He's taking me to his hunting spot. That's awesome. And I'm just going, man. That's got to give you some hope then. Oh, yeah. It's just like, you know, I probably don't need half the hunting gear I got. Right. But it looks cool. It does. <laughs> yeah. And if we're shooting a thousand yards, the deer aren't going to see anyways. Right. So like, and there's situations you get yourself in where you're so, you're so uncomfortable that just adding a little bit of comfort is nice. Yeah. Well, gloves are nice. <laughs> gloves. I mean, yeah, that's pretty simple. <laughs> right. I mean, but when you don't have gloves and you're up there and you forget your gloves, it's the worst day ever. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> man. And, and yeah, I have got myself in a couple, I've got myself in a couple scrapes, you know, and mm-hmm. I was glad that I had, you know, good gear that wicks water, you know, right. wicks moisture and is maybe not waterproof, but uh, water resistant. Right. And, you know, cuts the wind and mm-hmm. i mean it, it's it's i'm not saying it's a bad thing sure but i just i really got a kick out of hunting you know he's the old guy uh with still hunting in flannel shirts right and yeah. uh gosh that's crazy you know had a peanut butter and jelly sandwich literally in an apple in his yeah. pack and uh he didn't even have water i think he had yeah he did have to have a little water a mm-hmm. little one and i'm just like gosh man i just barely be getting going on right that. right well tell me your uh your best uh buck fever story and I'll tell you mine because my best one was this year. I think it typically has to do, I've got it a little bit a couple times, mm-hmm. but I got it one time pretty bad. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because I seen the buck and I hadn't really killed a really, I've killed some pretty good bucks at that time, but this would probably would have been the best one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, I seen him in the morning and he was at the top of the world. And uh, my daughter and I had drawn a really good tag. Mm-hmm. And so we backpacked in. She was about 12. We bet we were backpacking. We left at like two hours before the sun came up. Mm-hmm. Headlamps on. We're going in. And I didn't see him at this time. And my daughter gets in there and she's got the flu. Mm-hmm. And she's shouting on the trail. And so I take her all the way back to camp in like an hour and a half. And I'm like, that day's shot. Mm-hmm. I was really bummed. Mm-hmm. And a little selfish. And so I, I have, what the heck? I went back to bed, slept for a half hour, got back up and I took off again. And uh, I get way in there and probably two miles. And I look up on the mountain at the very top of the mountain. I see a little white rump patch Mm -hmm. and I knew there was no does up there. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's a buck because I'm finding the does the last, the couple previous days low Mm -hmm. about mid mountain. I knew it was a buck. I didn't know how good, but I knew it was a buck. And so I'm hoofing it. I'm Mm -hmm. working for it. It takes me five hours to get there. And I keep looking at him. He's still there. He's feeding. He's still there. He's feeding. And I finally get all the way up there. And I have to sneak really slow through this open basin because Mm -hmm. uh, I can't crawl because I don't know what they're called, but there's these great big old leaves that dry. Mm -hmm. uh, Short plant on the ground. Oh, yeah. And they just get really noisy if Mm -hmm. you try. And so I'm trying to navigate around them. And then uh, there's some sparse pine trees. And so I'm walking a snail's pace, really, because I know if he doesn't hear me, he'll pick up my movement. And so Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm like really walking slow. I can't crawl. So I'm walking like literally, you know, just really, really slow. Mm -hmm. I get to like a a pine tree and I'll squat down, lift up my glasses. I'll look. He's in he bedded at this time. Mm -hmm. He's still there. And (laughs) I make it to, um, about, well, he's about 450. Now, at this time, I didn't have a scope. I was shooting my old 300, and I just had a 3-9 Leopold. I didn't have any range-finding optics on my gun. Mm-hmm. I didn't even have a range finder. And uh, 
And so I'll be honest, I misjudged him for mm-hmm. distance. And so I, I sneak and I get to where I can't go any farther because mm-hmm. he will see me. And uh, he's bedded and he's bedded um, kind of sideways to me, but kind of looking right at me. Mm-hmm. But his body is where I can see his kind of part of his ribs. What he'd done is he had dug out a bed in the shale. Mm-hmm. So I can only see about half of his side. <laughs> and, uh, and I pull down on this buck and I'm on this big old, there's a huge, uh, a white pine and it has a big old root system and I'm laying over the root mm-hmm. and uh, this had never happened to me before. And so, Oh, I just hate to even think about it. <laughs> I it, love was, it. it was treacherous yeah. and because I'd bear down and I'd, I'd take a big old breath and I'd, I'd drop half my breath and I'd start shaking. <laughs> I like, Oh my gosh, I, this has never happened. And right. I think it was because I've been watching that buck for that for long, five hours right? and the anticipation the is building yep. and yeah and so and so i just like i i can't look at the horns mm-hmm. i tell myself okay don't look at the horns mm-hmm. just just concentrate on the shot just bear down mm-hmm. and get this thing done yep. and so okay you know i take a big breath and i bear down and <laughs> and i was like are you kidding me it's never happened to yeah. me and, I, and it took me like four tries gosh and finally i'm just like i'm just like you know <sighs> i take a couple big breaths i just pull down and I and I get it done. Yeah. I shoot, boom. Mm-hmm. He just flips down the hill. He's yep. flipping, he's flipping, you know, and he has steep country and he's mm-hmm. just a roll. And he probably goes 125, 150 yards. <sighs> and I watch and, and I can all four in the air. Yep. Done. And I sit there, I racked another one. I'm sitting there just in case it wasn't great. <laughs> yep. And um he never moves. And so I go over there. Well, when I'm I, I cape him out mm-hmm. and I and I roll him over and his back's got a hole like the size of a orange hmm. and it's just filled with shale. I'm like, that's oh, weird. That is weird. And so I was like, what the heck? And I, I, I cape him and I start, you know, I cut off his legs and I get down in there and I can't find the bullet, uh-huh. you know, but I find some, a little bit of fragments. And yeah. so I, I'm like, that's weird, you know? So I hike up the mountain to where I, his bed was uh-huh. and I can see the whole story. Mm. And what I did was I completely missed but I killed him. No and so way. what I, he was bedded in the shale yep. and I shot and I, and I'm just using Kentucky windage and elevation. Right. And, um, I can see where my bullet hits the shale, probably about six, seven feet mm-hmm. the side of him. Yep. And I skip it off the shale right no into his back way. and I broke his back. And that's why his <laughs> oh back was clear full of shale. And I could see the, the, the trail of the bullet. <clears throat> and I was just like, wow, that that's like, crazy. Yeah. And so, so you thought you got rid of your buck. I was going to congratulate you on getting rid of your buck. Well, fever. I did. I got rid of it long <laughs> enough to get it done. Right. <laughs> that's awesome. That's and awesome. he was my first that's buck. The I put luckiest, on the wall. That's the luckiest bad shot I've ever heard. <laughs> he was 28 and seven eighths. Gosh. Four point and just really deep, really even. That's but off I'm, his skull plate, straight up. That's what I'm talking about. God loves some people way more than he loves other people. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes he does need to do this with me. <laughs> sometimes he Put puts the pressure place, on yeah. just like anybody else. Right, and he right. feeds me a little humble pie. And you worked for this buck. Oh, I worked. The shot was just, oh man, that's crazy. And then I was just like, I can't believe it. Off his skull plate. Yeah. Not following his main beams, but yeah. off his skull plate, he's straight up. You know, he's longer if you yep. follow the main beams. He's 27 and three quarters tall. Gosh. So he's like this tall. 
That's but he's only awesome. 28 and uh, 5'8 or 7'8. I can't remember now. I'm a big fan of the taller, less wide bucks. He's probably the, one of the best. He's mm-hmm. not the coolest or the widest that I've killed. Yeah. But he probably scores the best to yeah. this day. And uh, a big storm's rolling in, mm-hmm. and I cape him, and I pack the head out. I roll into camp. Um, my wife and daughter there, mm-hmm. uh, like two in the morning yep. and, uh, it dumped so hard. I couldn't make it back in there mm-hmm. for uh, three days. Wow. And I knew I seen the big storm coming. I cut his legs off. Mm-hmm. I pull him up on the biggest sagebrush I can find. Mm-hmm. I jack his ribs open with the stick. So he'll cool. Yep. And me and John Brooks mm-hmm. go back three days later. I talked him into I'm it. having him on this, by the way. Oh, are you? Yeah. He always teases me. He goes, man, I'll never forget that time you took me up there to get that buck. <laughs> and we are hiking and hiking and uh-huh. hiking. And finally I go, Reed, where's that buck? And you say, you see that farthest ridge right there? And he goes, are you kidding me? And I said to him, he's not there. He's further. Oh my and he was, gosh. I wasn't joking. Oh. And we were in snow. It snowed like three feet up there. Oh my god! And we were so, that's a good friend. No, he was just unsuspecting. He didn't know any better. Because oh. <laughs> I never really he was told him. Halfway out there, he was already committed. Going. He had yeah. to go. That's funny. And so I couldn't have done it with John. Right, John. Right. And so uh, he was a great buck. I better get a range finding scope. Yeah, I mean, I have a I have a range finder that I use continually. It's in my. It goes in my pants pockets on the side, and I'm continually. If a buck yeah. pops out there, how oh, far yeah. away? My I, scope does it. But um, I like the backup too yeah. because if it's hot, there's a little bit of heat waves. Yeah, sometimes you're like, I could swear he's this distance. Yep, mm, I don't know. No, I get that. And so I, I will range just to double check my mm-hmm. scope. Um, and uh, more often than not, I just go okay, the rangefinder. I'll I'll hit. Two or three, four times, yeah, seven fifty, seven. Or you know, I don't really shoot that far, but let's say five fifty six. Sure. You know, if it says seven hundred or whatever consistently, right. I put the seven hundred yard mark on it. And mm-hmm. I, um, I think there's some, there is something to the buck fever thing about if you have a ton of time to stare at something, it just gets worse. It's like Christmas. Yeah. I so this year, um, I have this I have this really funny spot um, that you would laugh if I pointed at it because you'd be like, "What? I'm like hunting above that, uh, and I'm hunting at the base." Of I won't this. laugh anymore. Ten years ago, maybe <laughs> I got this spot that I know if it's going to snow, I will get to this spot every single time because all these big bucks head out from the rocks, head out from you know, up above tree line and they come down and feed right in this first snow. Usually the first snow is when they're just quite, they're just a little bit dumber than they normally would be. Um, and so I hang out in this spot and it's literally, I have, it's a 200 yard shot every time. And it's a face that just has this little section of a gap that's in it. And the rest is just trees, but I'm in a gap and where I'm shooting it is in a gap and there's nowhere else to look. You can't spot way down in the in the mountain. You can't spot up. There's nothing. You're in a forest and you're looking in a forest except for this gap. And I get my gun ready and I put it in this gap every time. And every single year at around 9 a.m. on that first phone, uh, first uh, winter snowfall, uh, you'll see these bucks come out of the mountains mm-hmm. and come right through that gap. Whether I can actually get a shot on them, that's a different story because sometimes they're just booking it through. 
Mm-hmm. They know that there's a gap in that forest and they run right through it. And mm-hmm. I'll just watch these big bucks one after the other run through this open gap. Um, and this year, do you want to point that out on a map? Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, <laughs> right after this, of course, <laughs> you get me a map. I'll, I'll mark it for you. Mm. Um, I'll put you in a real good spot right bet. <laughs> where no bucks come through any gaps. <laughs> you can see doe after doe after doe. Um, no, it's just, it, and and every it, it seems to be that I'll either get a buck in this area or whoever I take gets a buck in this area and and decent bucks, um, not not the bucks you're talking about, but decent bucks and really easy. Um, I mean, it's a hike to get in there, so I'm not going to say it's super easy, but it's at least nice to just know that there's going to be something that crosses yeah. in this area almost every time. Uh, and so this year, three bucks come into this gap and then stop and feed, which I've never seen happen. Usually they just kind of book it through that area. And it gave me so much time to get set up, get ready, get ready to take a shot that my first shot was a complete miss at 200 yards. The buck just stood there and I have, I haven't had that happen since I was a kid, but just stood there and looked around. Uh, I tried to reload my gun, but my bolt popped out because everything was so frozen. My bullets were frozen together in my clip. So I couldn't even get the bullets out of my clip. I was using the shell from the bullet that I just shot to try to dig the ammo out of my clip. And I couldn't, and my pack was up on a ridge about 50 yards above me. So I was able to sneak up, grab some bullets, come back down and put one in. And then I realized this had to have been me. (laughs) This is not the gun. I calmed down. I got really low on my tripod, took a shot and hit it right through the heart. But my first shot completely missed at 200 yards. Uh, And if I didn't hit it on that second one, I I would have thrown that gun down the mountain and blamed the gun for the rest of my life. (laughs) But I knew it was me because I've been shooting it a lot this year, making sure that it was on target. And yeah, I think there's, I think a lot of people blame their equipment when oftentimes it's, it's that buck fever that they so don't know is we happening. We always used to say it's a poor carpenter that blames his tools. Yeah. You know, I'm just now at the point where, you know, I've, I've gotten, I've gotten some okay bucks, but I really want to get a good buck. You know, some of the ones that I've seen that I just haven't been able to get close enough or haven't been able to pull the trigger for whatever reason. And so I'm right at that point where I'm like, now I'm going to go real far into the mountains. Well, and that's what I did. That's yeah. what I was starting. And then the next thing you know, you're on just the meanest country, the highest you can get. And yeah. you're sometimes questioning yourself, right. really, I've seen a whole buck right. in the back of that pickup down at town. <laughs> and not just one, but I've seen a couple in the right. last week or two. Right. And they, you know they're not getting them out of this country. Yeah. And so you question yourself. But I think the other part of that, though, too, is, you know, again, if they were easy to kill— um, it would, where's the challenge Yeah, and where, you know, and you wouldn't chase them like you do. Totally. And, uh, when they're hard, that's what makes them a trophy, you yeah. know? And, and most of my bucks, and I say, I have some trophy bucks, but most of my bucks probably when it comes down to measuring would make it in the books. You know, I, they're I'm going to tell you, they to won't. Me. They they're probably trophies wouldn't. to me. That's trophy for sure. Me. And, uh, they look cool and yep. they have a really good, uh, just that maybe a trash factor yeah. or they're wide, they're big. Yep. And, uh, but if you used to put the tape up on them, you know, a lot of guys would go and, you know, and, and rightfully so, but, uh, they're trophies to me. That's yeah. right. And so I can sit there in the morning and I can The biggest buck coffee. you get is the next biggest trophy you've ever got. Right. You know, some and, people have only shot three by three. I, I mean, I was, 
uh, talking to a person the other day who's been hunting for years and they finally got something bigger than a two by two. It was a three by three, a big three by three, but a three by three. Most people would be like, it's just a three by three. But they were so stoked to talk yeah. about this animal. And to them, that was their trophy. Right. And they got really good meat out of it. Yeah. Because it's a younger buck. <laughs> well, and so, you know, my grandson, he's killed a three, I think they're three, three points. Mm-hmm. And they're smaller. And yeah. but he caught he killed a pretty good one, like uh-huh. 24, 25 inches this mm-hmm. year. And he was telling me here just a couple weeks ago, Grandpa, I'd really like to shoot a big one. I go, mm-hmm. you know what? I want to see you shoot a big one, mm-hmm. but you'll never appreciate a big one if you don't shoot some little ones. Yeah. But the other side of the story is you'll never shoot a big one if you keep tipping over the little ones. Right. That's <laughs> And sometimes totally as true. bad as you want a buck, you just got to go, man, yep. I want to shoot that buck really bad, but I've got lots of two points and three yeah. points. You got to keep going. My you know, buddy who's, keep hunting. My buddy who's got a couple 190 bucks now um, from Idaho uh, in open units, he says- the same thing. He almost doesn't even shoot bucks anymore because he goes, I want that buck to be three years bigger than yeah. what it is right yeah. now. And I'm like, exactly. that buck is massive. We'll be looking at it in a spotting scope scouting season. I'm like that thing is massive. He goes, yeah, I need it three years bigger. Yeah. Like what well, are the odds that thing even gets three years bigger? He goes pretty good. If they make it this far, they're smart enough to usually make yeah. it a little farther. And, and, uh, but you have to know when you're a trophy hunter, you might go home with nothing. Yeah, and and more often than not, and some guys, and like I said, I, I've uh, I've went a couple of years. I I went one stretch nine years without killing a buck. Wow! And so um, partly, I'll tell on myself. Okay. <laughs> partly because I didn't really, I didn't understand, I didn't know what I was looking at. Mm. I went one section for nine years. I didn't kill a buck, mm-hmm. and then I, I I I got frustrated, and I said. I'm going to shoot the first nice four point I see. And mm-hmm. that's the one I told you the story at when mm-hmm. I went clear to the top. Yep. That was the first, be- the, the, the best, the first buck I had mounted. Yep. But when I shot that buck and I, and I, and I, in my mind's, you know, my mind's eye mm-hmm. and I'm looking back at that time, I start thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> I have passed up some really good bucks mm-hmm. because I didn't know what I was looking at. Right. Yeah. I can believe and that. And sometimes, I mean, we're all waiting for that buck that looks like an elk, you know, mm-hmm. on the horizon. I looked at that. I thought it was an elk, but it turns out it was a buck. We all want that. Right. But I think some guys pass up and I've had some, and I've done it. Yeah. I've passed up some bucks going. Can't be I, that big. Yeah he's, yeah. he's not that big. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go home and you look at your bucks on the wall and go, oh. He was bigger than that. Bigger than anything I've killed. What was I thinking? Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes, too, we need to, we kind of need, if you're really wanting to shoot a good buck, you kind of got to know what a good buck is. Right. And it's, uh, at the same time, it's not always, it's not about the, a lot of people low look at my bucks and go, man, what's he measured? I don't know. Yeah. You never measured him? Nope. <laughs> right. Because I don't care. Yeah. Because I like him. I'm and, the same way. And I, every one of my bucks, I hunted by myself. Yeah. I was solo on all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, solo hunted on every single, and I've got even more in my garage that I haven't even mounted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I hunted all of them by myself. I found them by myself. I shot them by myself. I packed them by myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's part of the, the trophy too, the experience, right. you know? And so when I say I sit there and throughout the summer or whatever, and I'm drinking my coffee in the morning, I'm looking at them bucks on the wall going, man, that was a fun hunt. Yeah. Man, I'm just going, how much longer right. till hunting season? Mm-hmm. 
And some guys, I've had some guys come to my house, well, they're not that great. No, you're right. <laughs> and, uh, but We're most jackasses. those guys, well, and I'm like, well, have you killed anything like that? Right. Well, no. Yeah. Well, well they don't know what they're talking about. Shut your pie right. hole. <laughs> They yeah. have no clue what yeah, they're I mean, about. You, I mean, I get it. Do you it. know how long it took me to get this thing Compared out of there? Compared to the ones in the magazines, you're absolutely right. <laughs> right. It's nothing. <laughs> but it's my buck, and I right. did it, and yep. it was a lot in of fun. In an open unit. And it's worth mountain. Yeah, And totally. you're even here sitting here going, how how many inches? Right. And if I told, you know, and I, I really don't know. Yeah. Because I sometimes, I, I'd probably be disappointed. I'd probably be like, oh, oh man. God, my 170 buck I thought was 185. <laughs> I had to wipe the milk <laughs> off his lips. Right. <laughs> and I'm just like, no, no I don't want to ruin it for right. myself. Yeah, yeah. I like it. So, hey. And no, that's uh, awesome. So, and that's what I'm, I'm starting to realize that I, I really do love mule deer hunting. And part of the cycle that I'm trying to get into is getting an elk for meat. So then that way I can really focus on trying to get something big and not focus on the meat for mule deer. Right. Obviously the meat's important, but it'd be nice to just say you're covered. You're yeah. covered with elk. Uh, and yeah. now you can just try to get the biggest thing you can get at, yeah. for a mule deer. And if you can't, you can't. Yeah. Exactly. You walk away with a fun year. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. I agree. And it's just, you know, it's about the experience. And now I got down grand boys coming up mm -hmm. and oh my gosh. They that's gonna the, be fun they were at the house for thanksgiving and mm -hmm. all the, the little the the one who's not old enough to hunt yet the whole time grandpa tell me about that hunting story on that buck mm -hmm. tell me about that buck and he's like grandpa you still never told me the story <laughs> on that buck i go I, I i'm tired of talking and so i'll tell it to you though yeah and so on the way home i had to bring him home from chalice and they're like grandpa he's like grandpa you gotta tell me he's mm -hmm. in the back seat mm -hmm. he's right up in the front mm -hmm. and so I told him the whole story and it's just, it's pretty funny. That's awesome. The kid's like salivating and he's only seven years old. Right. Gosh. <laughs> and so I'm just that's like, that's cool. Now you can just show him this podcast. He'll get some stories done. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> well, he's already heard them all because right. he pesters me till I tell him. I should, I should interview him then you about should. your stories. That'd be pretty funny. It'd be interesting to come out. <laughs>